The man that is calling it right and left. Woo! The Golden Stallion. The man of tomorrow. Savzu. The rated R radio star. The man that some call the most interesting anarchist in the world today is here for, well, a little special, a little something extra for all my Patreon subscribers, uh, which I love you. You know that. Uh, thank you so much. A lot of people, I, you know, admittedly, a couple people have dropped off. I'm kind of shocked. I don't know if it was the threesome talk, what the hell it was that, that, that got people, you know, dropping. But a lot of other people have upped their donation. Uh, in fact, we're just shy of $200 a month. And again, our goal, our first goal right now is to get to 500 a month. So that's exciting for me since I've really only been pushing this since like end of July. Uh, you know, so, so to have that kind of growth percentage wise, it looks great. Um, but thank you all so much to everybody that has been donating through Patreon. Uh, means the absolute world to me. And I mean, what can I say? And, and you know, keep your questions coming. I, I know everybody's been loving the Q&A episodes. Got a lot of stuff uh, lined up that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just honored to have everybody on board with the show. So now this week, what I, or what I have here is just, a, you know, it's kind of a little bonus. Okay, uh, this is an appearance that I had on the crypto show. Now, a lot of people might have already listened to this, uh, you know, what through the crypto show's own feed, um, but I'd yet to release it on the Sovereign Tech feed. And I figure it's nice to have it there for posterity. <laughs> and actually, uh, the date that this is getting released on, the, you know, my, my release of this show, it's uh, October 21st, 2016. So this is a nice little bonus because later today, you're going to have the return season three of Sex and Science Hour, baby. And I want to let you know, I'm actually going to start including um, the episodes of Sex and Science Hour in uh, in the Patreon feed. And I actually switched over. This is a little house, a little shop talk. I actually switched over SovereignTech.com. That's kind of a ethereal, you know, kind of a nebulous <laughs> domain name. And it goes wherever I want it to. Um, and now I actually have it going to the Patreon page. So if you want to, you know, maybe convince uh, you know, other people into, you know, or seduce them into becoming a patron as well. Uh, you can actually, you can just point them to SovereignTech.com and it'll take them right there because it's great what Patreon's doing. I mean, I, I can put all the relevant information right on the front page of Patreon and I get great, you know, just have great conversations and communications with people through Patreon. It has the messaging, has social media. I mean, it's got it all going on. Okay. So I love it. Um, Anyway, so I'm going to start sharing, you know, in, in the feed, uh, I'll start sharing Sex and Science Hour from here on out, you know, from season three uh, up, uh, you know, because I, I think season three is actually going to be phenomenal. Like I, I, I can already tell we, we've got some just great episodes ready to go. Uh, and hopefully that show can get taken to the same heights that Sovereign Tech has been to. Uh, and one of the things that's taken Sovereign Tech to the heights recently, honestly, was being on the crypto show. Got a lot of new listeners uh, that came in uh, from being on there. So it was a great honor to be on with Danny and Chris and the guys. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I enjoy the show. I listen to that show, you know, a lot of times for the interviews. It's largely an interview show. Uh, but this one, you know, this episode was kind of interesting. And, and as somebody that listens to the show, I've never really heard this happen before. When they released the episode, of the crypto show, and some people have already heard me talk about this, be it on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode or I, I might have mentioned it on a Patreon episode in the past. Uh, but 
when they released it, they they didn't have all their you know they have these you know really groovy tunes and and awesome little interstitials that they do and they have these fun little ads like save some dough by using purse.io with the crypto show right all that stuff um, and and I think it's all really cool it's it's got a very slick kind of like seventies revolutionary style to it I I really enjoy that they cut all of that out now I don't know exactly why. Okay, (laughs) I kind of tried to ask, but I don't know exactly why they did that. But I am guessing that the reason being, uh, this is just kind of a hint that I got, was because there was so much conversation. They loved the conversation, everything. They loved the conversation during the breaks. They, I mean, just they wanted all of this because they hadn't heard a lot of this, you know, stuff before. I mean, you got to admit, the Golden Stallion's a pretty unique take in the world. I mean, that's why I do what I do. Uh, so th- you will not hear breaks. You won't hear their ads. You won't hear anything like that. You're going to hear behind the scenes talk. Now I'll tell you something. <laughs> Fortunately, having been in radio and having been doing a podcast for years now, uh, which we're in our fourth year of Sovereign Tech, of course, um, you know, I've learned very well that you know, you want to be careful, even when the mics aren't hot or even when, you know, the show's not live, you want to be super careful what you're talking about. For example, when I used to uh, host, co-host on Free Talk Live, uh, like something that would happen often is people would forget to mute the mics when we went to break. And so if people were listening, say, on the LRN.FM feed, the live feed, they would hear during the commercial breaks, they'd hear me talking or, you know, they'd hear us talking. Usually it was me, uh, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, and of course, Mark Edge, um, or whoever else happened to be on. But, but you know, the accident would be made if you were first chairing, that is the, the host that's handling all the technical stuff and leading the show, really, which I, I had the honor of doing as well. Not many people get to do that with Free Talk Live, um, but it was, you know, I, I became a part of that rotation. Um, and I'm honored by that. But anyway you know, people would hear what we were talking about. So I learned over time to either like whisper if, if it's something important uh, or, you know, something confidential, I guess you could say, uh, or, or to not talk at all during those breaks, you know? And also like whenever I'm on declare your independence, I love Ernie declare your independence, right? Whenever I'm on that, you know, he, he keeps stuff rolling. He keeps recording right through the breaks and he starts asking you questions. And sometimes the shit can get a little personal. It's kind of funny. Uh, and, and a lot of times people have no idea that that happens. And so they're, you know, they're, they're just shooting the shit, talking stuff that maybe they don't want the whole, the entire world to hear, but they keep talking. So anyway, fortunately I've learned to kind of control what I happen to say, even when there's a break, not that I'm afraid of anything that comes out of my mouth. I'm certainly, certainly not, uh, you know, afraid of that by any means. Uh, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll back up anything I've ever said. I'll back up anything, you know, that's ever been said in confidence. I mean, you know, I have no problem with that. Okay. Uh, but you know, just to the point, I mean, you never know when it's going to be part of a full on presentation. And in those cases, you know, you want to be saying stuff, you know, not on the up and up, but just, you know, you, you want to, there's a certain style that you bring when you know that you're live, right? So anyway, so this, you know, fortunately I was able to do that. And I, and I know there's nothing like there's points where I get asked questions about Christopher Cantwell. Uh, I get, you know, I asked all these other questions and I think I kept it pretty radio <laughs> to, to put it, to put it in, in that, that way. Uh, 
But yeah, I don't know why exactly this happened. I've never heard a crypto show where they where they released what people were saying during the breaks. I mean, granted, I did talk about a lot of subjects. They asked questions during the breaks about you know quantum cryptography. Uh, we talked about scenario. We talked about the show startup. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that that we got into uh, in this. So, but you're getting some custom commentary here opening up. Uh, one, you know, one other thing I want to tell you about is, you know, there's like, they kept asking me the question, like, what, you know, what's the, what's the cryptocurrency that's really got you excited? Which one's going to win out here? You know, and I made the point, I said, look, Bitcoin's never going to get toppled. Not really. I mean, or at the very least, it's always going to hold the highest value. Uh, you know, I think there could be a difference between value and use case or value and most use perhaps. Right. I mean, just just think of how, you know, cash is the most used currency, but what's the most valuable? Well, obviously gold. Right. Something like this. I mean, you, you can get funny with terms. I know that. OK, but just to play it, you know, just just to be straightforward with it, um, like I could see, you know, and this is kind of what I got is like, you know, it, even though Zcash hasn't come out yet, I talk a lot about Zcash in this episode. I was like, well, I'm just really excited about zero knowledge proofs, you know, and about the, the paper that was originally zero coin. I'm just really excited about that finally coming live. Okay, so while I know it sounds strange to say, oh, I think this thing's going to be a winner, and yet we haven't even seen it get released yet, you know, uh, that, that that's kind of that's kind of odd. Well, I mean, they're sort of pressuring in it, not pressuring in a bad way, but they're, you know, they're they're pushing for an answer. And so I gave them one. You know, and I am excited about Zcash. Uh, you know, just I, I have I don't have like a serious insider view with Zcash by any means. Uh, but what I do know, I do have, you know, a, a little a little bit of a closer connection. And I am just so excited about what's going on there. I just think it's so cool. Uh, so anyway, if you wonder about that, I realize that might sound kind of strange, but I, I'm just I'm really pulling for this, uh, you know, to to be something to be something huge. Uh, boy, that said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to really add to it. I, I was very enjoyable to get the chance to talk about, you know, a little bit about quantum cryptography. I mean, it was such a broad ranging show, uh, and I, and I know they really enjoyed having me on and it was a real pleasure, uh, to be on. Uh, in fact, you know, I know some had said that, you know, they, they really hadn't, and I, and I don't mean to say this to pat myself on the back. Woo! the Golden Stanley doesn't have to do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't need a circle to jerk it, baby. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, they, they, they said they, they've rarely had, you know, uh, guests that, that could cover such a broad range of topics so well. Uh, so, you know, it was, I, it's, it's great to get a little bit of recognition for that. It was just, it was very enjoyable. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess without further ado, I've been opening it up for 10 minutes here. Uh, I have other other uh, special episodes coming out. I'm actually going to be doing a very political uh, sh- uh, uh, special that I will have uh, released here in the next few days. Uh, we have the hentai series getting getting finished up, or at least the Fencer Minerva part of that. The, really, the hentai series is probably going to go on forever. <laughs> uh, and, of course, I get joined by the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy for that. Um, so, anyway, and, of course, later tonight, you will have the, the first episode of the season premiere of season three of Sex and Science Hour, which is just so exciting for me. And uh, there will be, obviously, a, you know, it'll be episode 198 of Sovereign Tech, 
getting released on Saturday as always. Uh, and I've got a dynamite show lined up. I mean, we got some awesome, awesome shit to talk about. Like really stuff. I, some of it, I bet you never even thought about. And I, and actually a lot of people tell me that's what they, that's what they get every week. <laughs> it's stuff they never, ever thought about, you know, <laughs> or like things they never even considered. Well, you're going to get that this week. Uh, I guarantee it. And we have the exciting Nintendo NX news that I'm going to be covering or what's now known as the Nintendo Switch. Anyway, enough of that. Let's go off to Dreamland to just about, eh, it's probably about a month ago that I was on the crypto show. It was, uh, you know, like end of, um, end of September there, 2016. Uh, and it was just, it was a good time. Great show. I hope you enjoy it too. And thank you again. I'll, you know, I'll let the music just ride this one out. Thank you so much again uh, for being a subscriber to Patreon and for donating means the world to me and helps all this go round and round. Woo. All right, here we go. The crypto show with the golden stallion. You got to hear it. Oh, and Carpe Lucem. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> All right. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, there's three of us. It's me, Chris, uh, Harlan, uh, and Danny, just so you know. Right on. Chris, Harlan, Danny. All right. <laughs> Is this your first time on the show, Brian? I, I'm I'm just rejoining yeah. the show, so I'm yeah. Catch up. Oh yeah, yeah. No, my uh, yeah. This is my first time on the oh, show. Great. Love the show though. Oh, I, uh, cool. Whenever you have Justice Ranveer on, I always enjoy uh, that. you know. Oh <laughs> my god, cool. I was I, I was actually going to call him and ask him if he wanted to come in, and I uh, I forgot. That would have been fun. Well, it's not too late. I don't know if he. Uh, he's out at the lake right now. So oh, I mean, yeah. No, no worries. Another time. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Does he live on the lake? He lives out in Stoner Ranch. He's probably looking for the lady with the sword there. Nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you uh, do you have a bio you want to give us, or I mean, I could just ask you to to give us a rundown when we get on air. What would you prefer? Yeah, I could do a rundown. That's fine. Okay. I mean, cool. Just keep it simple. And is Sovereign Tech, uh, I should know this, but is it on just SoundCloud or do you have an actual website? I couldn't quite find it when I was looking. Yeah, I have a website. It's zog.ninja. That's that's the, like the full website. But SovereignTech.com just takes you to the SoundCloud page. But I have so many projects, like I couldn't just put it all under Sovereign Tech. So. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Do you want me to include the ZOG Ninja or just do the... Yeah, zog.ninja would be good. zog.ninja. Yeah, because that'll have everything else. My video games, everything I make, and the other shows I'm on, because uh, I'm on Sex and Science Hour with Stephanie Murphy and all that. So how do you spell zog? Or, oh, uh, just... Yeah, just the letter, just Z-O-G. Oh, Z-O-G. I'm, I'm like wanting to add an I or an E. Oh, yeah, uh, no, no, no worries. Just zog.ninja, that's the URL. It's like I named my dog D-O-G. You know how to spell it? <laughs> D-O-G. Oh, God. that was so stupid. I don't know. How I, <laughs> I was distracted when you said that. That's my excuse. No worries. <laughs> D-O-G. It's all a joke the, behind that. It's but all I in the pronunciation, it. right? Yeah. Pronunciation. Yeah. Is he always falling down? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and you've been on radio already, so you know we are FM, so we have to 
Okay, yeah, so I, I know the rules. Right. Yeah. I did Free Talk Live for a couple of years, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bring us in. Welcome back to the crypto show about technology, currency, and liberty with a pinch of sticking it to the man. We're coming to you live from the Crypto BNB studios in Austin, Texas on 89.1 FM, the Logos Radio Network. And yes, we're undermining the banks and the man, but having some fun while we do it. doing karaoke no oh it's the show not tonight not two nights in a row oh come on guys that that's how they get me down here unless it's paintball paintball karaoke oh man i missed that with robert murphy i wish i'd been there i was a fool to miss that uh that's how they get me to the show half the time is i don't want to go or i forget so they just say hey we're doing karaoke at the studio come on down usually we just tell them there's food and he shows up (laughs) that also works that's good bait too well, of course, uh, it is the Crypto Show. We are your hosts, uh, Danny, Chris, and uh, Harlan. And uh, uh, as uh, some of our long-term listeners know, Harlan has recently rejoined the show, and we're so excited about that. Glad to be back. Heck yeah. Glad to be part of the team. Uh, typically, every Wednesday, I uh, wish it could be Wednesdays and Sundays, but uh, half the time is good enough for me. Uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all you could stand me anyway. That's probably true. But, you know, that's probably same true. with karaoke as well. I think you'd run out of ammo if it was paintball karaoke. So I wish it was only half the time with Danny because I can <laughs> barely tolerate him as it is. No, uh, but we're uh, we're excited to have our guest on. Well, you that'll... know why he doesn't show up on Sunday? Why? Because <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm into ranching. <laughs> yeah. He's why? into rodeo. <laughs> I've a, I've a, I ride bulls. What? I don't know. I don't get that you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but it, uh, just to let you know, it is Wednesday, September 28th, 2016, here on Logos Radio Network. Don't forget logosradionetwork.com where you can donate. It is listener supported. It always has been, which means it's only thanks to your financial contributions that it has, continues to bring wonderful programming to your ears, uh, excluding the show. Uh, and don't forget our sponsors, Hill Country Home Improvements, for all your roofing needs. And uh, they are the only roofers that I know of in Central Texas, if not the world that accepts and prefers Bitcoin. And CryptoCompare.com with the Crypto Compare News Minute uh, that we do at the top of every segment every Sunday with the wrap-up of the week of all the things going on in the crypto sphere. Well, let's get to our guest. Uh, he is a first-time guest to the show. Uh, his name is Brian Sovereign, and uh, as if the regular word sovereign wasn't hard enough to spell, uh, his version of it is a little uh, hard to spell, too. It's S-O-V-R-Y-N, S-O-V-R-Y-N. Actually, if anything, it's probably a little more phonetic. More simple. Yeah. A little simpler that way. Uh, still throws you for a loop for a second. Brian Sovereign, he is the host of the podcast Sovereign Tech. You can go to soundcloud.com slash sovereign tech. 
to listen to uh, all his episodes. And again, S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech, T-E-C-H. Uh, Twitter is the same Sovereign Tech. And his website is uh, zog.ninja, Z-O-G dot N-I-N-J-A. So check that out. Uh, by the way, he does bill himself as the podcast that the rest of the tech world uses for show prep. And that is awesome. <laughs> that is kind of the, that is the coolest tagline uh, for a podcast I think I've ever seen. Well, Brian uh, Sovereign, welcome to the Crypto Show. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm a big fan, so it's uh, it's actually an honor to be on. It, I mean, a lot of people say that they're like, "Oh yeah, it's an honor to be on the show," but I really mean it. This is a genuine honor. So thank you. Oh, well, we appreciate it. It's, it's a huge honor for us to have you on as well. And uh, the reason I threw out your little tagline there is because, uh, well, it's true for us too. And now that we, <laughs> and now that we know I, that, we'll know where to go. Yeah, we that's we, right. We, we use some of your podcasting to to get our cues for the show material and everything else. So uh, we'll right just be on. Just admit it. Uh, well, Brian, uh, since you are our first time on the show, uh, let's find out a little bit about yourself. Tell us about yourself personally, uh, how you got, and then also how you got into uh, Bitcoin and, and tech more generally. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when I was uh, a teenager, kind of started there. I grew up in the '90s. Uh, I'm really like not that that classically schooled in any way, or you know, I don't have like I don't necessarily look the best on paper. Um, I was just lucky enough to grow up at the time, you know, to be like 13, 14 when the internet became a thing in the mid '90s, and so you just you automatically kind of learn how all this stuff works when you've grown up with it at that stage. Um, but uh, so I got involved with uh, the cypherpunk community in the late '90s. And then, unfortunately, I joined the U.S. Army after 9-11, uh, you know, something I'll, I'll never regret more. Uh, out of patriotic fervor or what? Yeah, yeah, you know, wasn't an anarchist then. Uh, but uh, it, was the got cool, out of, it was the cool well, haircuts. Yeah, right, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but fortunately got out of that early uh, after a couple years. And once I got out of there, started, you know, working at uh, various tech companies, uh, from that, when I was in the army, I, I also was I specialized in communications uh, as well as psychological operations and all that. But anyway, so that Ooh. stuff kind of looked kind of good for. Oh yeah, yeah. Might, have to, <laughs> might have to ask you about that later in the show. Sure thing. Yeah, I was a propaganda man, but uh, you know, fortunately, I guess that kind of gave me a nice little uh, little uh, BS meter, or you know, the ability to see it when it's coming. But um, yeah, so started working for tech companies once I got out of the uh, out of the army and. Then uh, I guess it was probably around the time, you know, sort of the Ron Paul revolution, all that. Uh, in fact, I heard an amazing, I, I always love telling this story. I was watching Stossel, and um, I heard, uh, it was a Judge Andrew Napolitano, great guy. I, I was, he was debating, um, well, now I can't remember the, the guy's name. He's a, kind of a famous libertarian author. Uh, but he was debating him, and they're asking, you know, well, what do you do if we don't have a state? What do we do about the Navy and all this stuff? And just, I remember Judge Andrew Napolitano saying, who says you need a Navy? And I, I wow. as soon as he said that, it just clicked. You know, I, here it is on Fox, whatever, Fox Business, whatever they happen to be on at the time. This is quite a few years ago. Uh, but it just clicked for me, and I was like, right, who says you need a Navy? Okay, I'm an anarchist. And then, you know, <laughs> it just went on from there. <laughs> that's simple. Well, not so, always so simple for everyone else. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How, yeah. Would, how would we have village people videos without that, without the <laughs> Navy? <laughs> well, that is the one point to be made. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, um, you know, once I got into that, I started learning about things like the Free State Project. In fact, I do now live in New Hampshire, uh, and I moved for that. 
Um, and then, but before I moved to New Hampshire, I started hearing about uh, Bitcoin. This would have been 2011, maybe 2010, 2011, something like that. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a funny story with it. I, I got, I mean, as soon as I heard about it, like I got it, you know, just from even kind of the dreams that I remember reading about in a lot of forums back in the late nineties, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is what we've been waiting for. And I actually, I worked at a company that, that did point of sale systems. Um, and so I would, at certain points I'd have to test them and you'd, you'd do, you'd run them overnight, what they called burning in, like you'd be testing the RAM and all this stuff. And eventually I got to the point to where a buddy and I, we started taking all these, uh, uh, we took these little USB drives, and I would I, to test the RAM. I'd actually try mining bitcoins uh, <laughs> back in like 2011. <laughs> so I won't mention the name of the company; I wouldn't want there to be any trouble. But uh, but I had a good time doing that. But anyway, once you move to New Hampshire, you know New Hampshire is, I mean, just so Bitcoin friendly. Uh, you cannot help but get involved with it uh, quite a bit. And so that's that's kind of how I ended up with Bitcoin. I started doing my show Sovereign Tech in 2012. Uh, a lot of that had to do with kind of the crypto economy, you know, that that, that came up out of Bitcoin uh, and out of like the, the Snowden revelations and things like this. Uh, so that's that's really how I ended up here. Pretty awesome. What, uh, what happened recently in New Hampshire with Bitcoin? I know uh, Poloniak said they were pulling out of New Hampshire. What was, what's up with that, or do you know anything about that? Yeah, so this is something I'm still looking into quite a bit, but there's there's some funny legislation, and it's ironic for it to happen in, in New Hampshire because, like, I, I remember, I think it was a year, maybe a year and a half ago, or whenever it was that, uh, that Overstock started accepting um, Bitcoin, that, like, right away in the first month, they instantly knew that, wow, uh, you know, New Hampshire is where the bulk of our Bitcoin orders are coming from. So it's it's sadly ironic that, you know, there, there's this kind of funny legislation that really acts against, I think it more or less acts against money transmitters. Um, it's not as bad as it sounds, but because it's, it's been going on for a few months, but it, it's it's enough to scare some companies like Poloniex into thinking, well, we're not, you know, we're not going to deal with this here. I mean, there's nothing like if a person was doing maybe something like local Bitcoin, something along those lines, yeah, I don't think there's any trouble, but when it gets into the business more, you know, more business end, it, it's ugly. So I don't have all the details on that, but it is unfortunate. So you're saying it might only, well, I know you say you don't have all the details, but you're saying it might only affect exchanges, or would it also affect businesses that accept Bitcoin? Or we're yeah, still I think not it, sure. Yeah, I, I think it, it could affect, like, it's at the business level. Like, individuals can exchange Bitcoin, I think, you know, without any problem. Um, but Yeah, who's going to stop them? <laughs> well, right. It's, yeah, how do you even catch that? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, you got tons of anarchists running around here. It's like, what are you going to do to these people? But in any case, I understand, you know, why, why like, Poloniex and some others might be skittish. Uh, I do imagine, not that I trust in the political process in any way, uh, but I do imagine that... Um, you know, this thing isn't going to last much longer considering how much, you know, I mean, just in the news every day, you're hearing, well, Europe, European banks are looking into blockchains. All these different companies are looking into blockchains. I mean, eventually, you know, Bitcoin acceptance through businesses and whatever else is, you know, it's just going to worm its way in anyway. Yeah, we know which direction the wind's blowing exactly. That's well, right. right. We've got about a minute and a half till break. Um, we'll get into sovereign tech and other stuff on the other side. But since we're talking about New Hampshire, how big is Bitcoin in New Hampshire? I mean, like, are there a ton of businesses? Uh, signed up for it? Like, are there a bunch of people who use it in their day-to-day lives? Like, can you give us a quick idea of that? Sure. Well, particularly the city Manchester actually has the longest-running Bitcoin meetup in the world. Um, and 
there are business, there's quite a few businesses there. I mean, I wouldn't want to, you know, I'm not going to say it's in the hundreds, but there are quite a few businesses around the state that very much accept it. And it's also very, a lot of people move here and they pay their rent with Bitcoin, which I imagine New Hampshire probably has the the, the highest rate of that. Not that I have statistics for such. So um, that, happened, yeah, popular. that happens right here at the studio. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> As no, it should. It will be. No, it's actually an Airbnb. We're going to be running an Airbnb out of out of the same place that the studio is so people will be able to pay with crypto oh fantastic yeah i I love that that's that's the best way to go heck yeah it is well uh we're coming to break uh we've been talking uh thus far with brian sovereign of sovereign tech and again it's spelled s-o-v-r-y-n uh sovereign uh tech uh, at uh, zog.ninja, Z-O-G dot N-I-N-J-A, and, of course, uh, soundcloud.com slash sovereign tech. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to talk more with Brian on the other side. Uh, pretty, cool, pretty cool stuff so far. I'm sure there'll be more. Stay tuned. Through advances in technology, our lives have greatly improved. <sighs> I need beer. Go for it. Uh, so where where is Manchester, Brian? Is that near the Manchester's uh, uh, the south side of New Hampshire? It's on the south side, so it's closer yeah. to Massachusetts then. Correct. Yeah. yeah, not not the closest, but it's close. Got it. What is the big uh, hub? The anarchist hub of Keene? Is that the is Keene the big? <laughs> nah, uh, not exactly. No. So yeah, yeah. I mean, free like, Keen. I always hear free Keen. Yeah, so that that's kind of a funny thing. Um, like, it, Keen does a very good job of making its. I mean, what's happening? You know, there's stuff that happens in Keen. I'm not taking anything away from what they do, but yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of Keen and a lot of other areas kind of they they seem bigger when you're you know outside looking in. Uh, as far as like their influence and what they do, I don't mean any negative connotation by that. Sure. Uh, but uh, but Manchester is kind of where everybody sort of ends up these days. I uh, see. Yeah, I moved to Keene for like a year when I first came here, and you know because of that that perception, you know. Right. So they're very good at promoting the idea that they're the center of the universe. There, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I yeah, and then you have guys like Lou Rockwell saying, "Oh, it's the northern capital of liberty and all this stuff," you know, and so ah. it kind of has it has some prestige. But well, if you were coming here, you know, Manchester is maybe the better first stop. All right, interesting. Is Christopher Cantwell still up in Keene? Yep. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on him? I know he's a very polarizing yeah. figure. He is. Yeah, I am. Like, I'm a, I'm a super nonviolent guy. You know, I'm not against self defense or anything, but I'm just, uh, yeah, I. Well, I think not, enough said. I don't I think, think he can even call himself a libertarian anymore, though. Right? I know he even does. He was getting into Trump and stuff. Yeah, like he's all right. Oh, yeah. He's super all right. Yeah, he's into Trump. He's, I mean. You know, there's a lot of other other terms I could use for him, but yeah, he's going to work. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Looks like we're coming back. Uh, is it still Deb? Deb, uh, brings back when you're ready. All right, welcome back. That's to the cool tune of Rob Hustle. This is what happens when you call the cops. If you missed last episode, Rob Hustle was our guest. Uh, he is a uh, rapper, lyricist, and uh, uh, a guy with a message. And uh, he also helps out with various uh, charitable uh, 
causes, one of which we were talking about last episode, so check that out. And, of course, we also had uh, Chad, uh, Dale Brown. Dale Brown. I think he was going to call him Chad. I don't know why. Dale Brown of... Uh, no, he's the furthest thing from Chad. <laughs> of... Uh, uh, who was the uh, uh, originator of a 20-plus-year-long uh, private protection business up in Detroit. So that was a cool episode as well. And I felt like we didn't have enough time for either of them, so we'll probably have them both back on in the near future. Anyway, let's get Protect back. Protect and serve, not detain and punish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they truly get to, to wear that little blurb on the side of the cop car, not the cops themselves. Well, uh, we're talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech. Uh, Brian, real quick, too, uh, just to add to it, uh, you've already alluded to it, basically, but obviously sovereign in your name is an allusion to your political philosophy. Would you bill yourself as an anarchist, you said? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's the only term that fits. So. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, oh, by the way, I should, uh, where is it real quick? I like your little blurb on your SoundCloud. Sovereign Tech is an anarchist-run podcast keeping you on the bleeding edge of science, technology, and ethics. That's that's pretty cool, too. So don't forget guys that. to check that out. Well, let's get into it. So uh, what is what is Sovereign Tech? Yeah, sure. So, uh, again, it was a show I started in 2012. Uh, I actually started on the day that the world was supposed to end. Uh, I figured <laughs> that'd be fitting. <laughs> I think it was like December 26th or something, whatever it was. 21st, in hello. The 21st, right. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> um, so I, I started it then. That was the release of the first episode. And really, I just, I felt like, you, you know, I, I think it's a good thing for any podcaster to ask themselves, you know, why are they doing what they're doing? And, you know, if someone wants celebrity them, that's okay. You know, there's lots of great reasons. My reason was, is that, you know, I, I consume so much tech news uh, at all times that I didn't hear my opinions, uh, you know, getting represented uh, on the airwaves effectively. Uh, so I started my own podcast, uh, you know, to fill in the gap. And, and that's, that's really what it, what it ended up being about. Fortunately, now, you know, a few thousand listeners later, um, you know, people uh, want to hear those opinions. <laughs> so, so I'm very honored by that. Uh, but, uh, but it's, it's a show that, you know, I just, you don't hear in a lot of them. I mean, you know, as anarchists and, and I know you guys kind of describe this liberty lovers, anarchists, I don't want to put terms in your, uh, on that's, you. that's right. Basically. We're uh, yeah. free, free range capitalist. <laughs> right on. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, you know, but a lot of uh, tech journalism, you know, we talk about with mainstream media how, all you know, they're always lying. Well, a lot of tech journalism honestly falls under the same crap, you know, to where they're talking about, you know, when Google says one thing, they're really doing another, uh, you know, same with Apple or whoever, you know, a lot of these companies are, you know, really selling a false bill of goods to people. And so uh, Sovereign Tech in many ways is all about, you know, really telling the truth about what's going on and also I, I'm I'm kind of an armchair historian. So another problem I think that the tech world in general has is it has a it it it, it forgets things quickly. Uh, like it it doesn't you get so lost in the news and the new app that comes out and all this stuff that that a lot of people forget that a lot of ideas that are coming out now have been around for twenty thirty years or were tried twenty thirty forty years ago. Uh, things like this, and so I like to be able to bring that to fore and uh, you know just say look you know this stuff isn't new and maybe it's just it's time has come and 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 all of that and so and obviously cryptocurrencies and all that you know become a become a big deal you know in all of that. 
Do you, since you said that, it's kind of a curious thing. Uh, do you have any uh, theories or specific ideas about why certain technologies have been around, say, 20 or 30 years, and they're only now getting adopted? Is it that when they originally came out, there was no uh, sort of economic feasibility, or was there, you know, perhaps active suppression on the part of, you know, a government or corporation, or what, well, what do you think is, uh, or some causes of stuff like that? Yeah, I think there's a variety of reasons. I like to say that, that tech really moves in a spiral. It's not cyclical. It moves in a spiral in that it keeps going up, you know, and it might get a little bit better, uh, but it covers the same ground as it goes up the spiral. It's like stairs in a spiral, you know. Um, as far as the reasons that I think that happens, I mean, to some degree, I think there's, there's some suppression. Um, I, the other is that one of the big parts, I think, is that sometimes people just aren't ready. Like, the, the, you know, or society in general just isn't prepared, you know, to have that, uh, you know, kind of put upon them uh, to use. And I think some, some ideas, some things people just sort of have to grow up with, uh, you know, to really grasp you know what what's going on. Uh, so I don't I don't always think that it's it's nefarious, uh, but a lot of times I just think it comes down to you know there aren't enough people say uh, that really get it. Like I mean, just people growing up with the internet really changes you know the, an entire couple generations worth of perceptions. Uh, you know of 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 how things can work or how they do work just because they got to see you know real world real world models of how it can happen. Um, and so when that happens, you know suddenly somebody brings back a really great idea from you know 20, 30 years ago, and then people can accept it because they're like, oh yeah, no, 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 I I know how this works and I know that that this works. So often enough, I, I kind of feel like it's a generational thing. Like a lot of things are. The economy is kind of generational too. And we all kind of lose perspective, but I'm, I'm curious to find out, since you tout yourself as an anarchist, to, to wonder about how you feel in the past uh, you know, eight to ten years really under the Obama administration. We see this huge merger uh, between large tech companies and the state. I'm wondering how you, how you feel about this evolution that we've seen happen, seeing how the internet has basically grown up and began to walk on its two legs, and now it is you know, in large part, a a, a functionary of the state. How, how do how do you feel about what where we've seen this evolve and how we've seen this evolve? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, in fact, I one of the terms I use a lot, and I think people really do them well to use a lot more, is corporatism. Uh, that that's what we live under uh, because you have this, you know, kind of very much an unholy alliance, you know, between a lot of these huge companies that really I don't think could even exist if there wasn't a state. Um, and you have the state, you know, that, that they, and they, they do very much work in concert. Uh, you know, I, I don't doubt that for a second. Um, as far as like, you know, thoughts on how all that's evolved. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, it's a it's a pity because so many of these ideas are really great ideas. Like, you know, a smartphone is really a great thing. I mean, you know, you think of it being like Star Trek where, you know, you flip open your communicator and all that. That's a wonderful idea that you can, you know, communicate with people instantaneously. But then, you know, sure. what, what it's really just a block of sensors in your pocket, and that block of sensors is controlled by the state, you know, or by corporations that are in bed with the state. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's... It's a double-edged it's a sword. I mean, it's all double-edged swords, right? I, exactly. I totally understand that, and I get that. And it's it's interesting to me to see uh, the outcropping of blockchain technology uh, that is coming about to sort of decentralize a lot of these technologies as a response to uh, what we've seen. And you probably know better than 
anybody in this room about some of these companies that are trying to do that with, you know, whether it be social networks or uh, communication devices. So it's, it's, uh, it's a huge opportunity, I think. Do you, do you yeah, agree? absolutely. I, I think history is really repeating itself with this. You know, what a great example, a great analogy. Not that, you know, proof by analogy is proof, but an analogy would be like uh, electricity. When that became a big thing, you know, in the early parts of the 20th century and maybe a little before, um, you know, a lot of farmers and a lot of other, you know, towns and whatever, they, they weren't connected to a giant grid. They just generated their own through whatever technology they had. Right. And it, it effectively took law for people to accept connecting to a giant national grid. Nobody wanted to do that. Um, so I think that we're, we're kind of, we're starting to reverse the trend to where we're decentralizing all kinds of technologies. I mean, you know, mesh networking, all this different stuff uh, that, that really blockchains also, you know, kind of empower uh, that, uh, that, that's really exciting for me. I mean, it, it's, you know, you can look at what, you know, what AlphaGoog, you know, or, you know, Alphabet slash Google and, you know, all these other companies are doing and you can get very depressed, but actually at the same time, there's so much exciting things happening because it's re-empowering the user. That's a really good point in a historical example in particular, because, uh, a lot of this decentralization trend, I think, now some of it, of course, is dependent upon the current level of technology like the blockchain and other things and the internet, of course, but I think some of it could have happened much sooner in the past and also thus the more uh, general advancement of technology without the laws that you talked about. In other words, when they kind of forced everyone onto the electric grid, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. had they not done that, you you know you might have had some centralization from the the cities and the people who opted in already, but what you would have had, I think, without the force of law, is decentralized electricity popping up, uh, decentralized providers popping up all over the country, and I think that would have been a more natural market phenomenon. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So instead of like yeah, a, no, I, a centralized utility providing for all of California, you might have had like two dozen throughout California, three dozen throughout Texas, and it's only by virtue of historical coincidence or, or law. That we have this really centralized, uh, centralizedness to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I could give you an example, uh, you know, continuing with the electric company kind of uh, uh, analogy, is there's uh, in in uh, upstate New York. And actually, hold a, on on that example because we're coming to break. Sorry to interrupt. All right, Brian Sovereign. We'll finish with that on the other side. Stay tuned. You could probably say the same thing about the highway system if it wouldn't have been in for the yeah. You know, yeah, the, definitely. The Eisenhower's doing yeah. it. There probably would have been a huge decentralized projects to interconnect the states. Oh, yeah. Through road building, but in road projects. Though I'll give them credit. That was only like a 24-page law that created the, the highway system. <laughs> a 24-page law is unheard of, right? Yeah, in comparison to Obamacare. Simpler times back then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's hard to finesse those breaks, especially like... Oh, no worries, man. Sometimes they cast me by surprise, too. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. If we only had a big glowing screen with the time on it right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there it is. It's right oh, there. Right. I look, I mean, I, I saw it coming, but then towards the end, I... No, I was giving you a hard time. <laughs> oh, yeah. At Free Talk Live, we had a show clock, too, and I'd never look at it. <laughs> Just, you kind of had the music as a good cue. That was about it. Yeah. And you hosted for a couple years, right? Yep, I was uh, on Sunday nights. I co-hosted for a couple of years, and then I, I first chaired actually for a little while, which was that was kind of exciting. Show one night. <laughs> we had Mark Edge. Yeah, we had. Well, when was we were the, in Acapulco, yeah. because we had connectivity issues. Oh, yeah. Where you the were? Show? Yeah. yeah, he hosted the show. That's yes. Cool. 
Oh yeah, he's awesome. He's he's great. Was that when I was sick? Yeah. Yeah. And well, John was supposed to fill in, and he just kind of like blew it off or whatever. Right. So. Man, I was. I remember that was the sickest I've been in a long time. I almost went to the hospital. Montezuma's Actually, revenge. Do what? Was it Montezuma's revenge? Well, no, because I didn't go with him the first year to uh, Narcapulco. Oh, you. I stayed you. behind, but uh, maybe it was food poisoning or something. But my girlfriend actually drove me to the hospital. I decided at the last minute, like we were in the parking lot, to turn around because it was like just then starting to subside. Wow, like I was having I severe like stomach pain and stuff. I thought I was afraid it was. Yeah, like I was a, lucky. I got through that one, but. Between Joby and Roger, I didn't have to worry about too much. Yeah. <laughs> it got, the time got filled because you know, Roger Ver was badgering Joby over they the can. bit club. <laughs> yeah, Those guys can uh, can definitely have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of that thing. I uh, I wrote an article about it and it was pretty scathing and uh, he threatened to uh, so sue me. Basically, he oh, said, boy. I don't care if really? it's true. Yeah. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't know about that? So yeah. You're, you're no, off the Joby group. threatened me. He was going to sue me. He said, you know, I don't care if it's true or not. I'm going to cost you some money by suing you. And like, Wow. So you're off the Christmas card list. <laughs> I don't know. So? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm off the list. That's okay. That sucks. Yeah, he was a... He was kind of sh- he was kind of shady. Every time well, yeah, he, with him. I mean, he's a really nice guy, though. He, he, I, I can't say anything bad about his personality. I just don't think it was a very it's good business affairs. Yeah, I don't think Bit Club is a very one honest. coin Bit yeah. Club. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a step above one coin, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can ask you about some of those scam coins. Yeah. Oh yeah, I coins. Yeah, probably, absolutely. You've probably done a breakdown of a few, or, or, of, a few right. of those. We got some music going Oh, yeah, we're coming back. There. So I'll, I'll have you uh, continue with your historical observation, then we'll get to some other stuff. So bring us back when you're ready. Sure. Welcome back, guys. It's your bros, Harlan, Danny, Chris. Bruh. 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 Here on the Crypto Show. It is September 28, 2016. Logos Radio Network, CryptoCompare.com, and Hill Country Home Improvements always bring you the show. And we're talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech. Don't forget SoundCloud.com slash Sovereign Tech and Zog, Z-O-G dot Ninja. And we were uh, talking about the sort of liberating and decentralizing effects of certain technologies like Bitcoin. And I... uh, alluded to something that uh, Brian sort of made me think of when he talked about electrical grids and basically how it, it's, it wasn't a historical necessity that electricity and water and stuff be so centralized. It was because of various state, local, and federal laws. And uh, we might have had centralization much sooner. In fact, it might have been uh, maybe certain aspects of centralization might not have existed as quickly, but a lot of the, the whole concept might have been more prevalent uh, if it weren't for certain things. But Brian, you were you had a, a uh, an, an example or uh, uh, an observation to make? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, with that idea of decentralization, like actually being beneficial to the electric, uh, you know, to the development of electricity and, you know, it's wider acceptance around the world. Um, actually, today, even in the, you know, the United States, uh, there are still some like private, you know, they're, they're somewhat connected to the national grid, but they're still kind of privatized, uh, uh, you know, little power companies. And there's one actually in upstate New York, and there's a bunch of these, but there's one in particular. Uh, there's like this little tri-town area called Herkimer, Ilian and Mohawk. And they have, uh, right there, they have the, this like falls system. It's not Niagara Falls, uh, but there's like Trenton Falls. There's all, these, or the, there's all these different, or there's actually a town nearby called Little Falls as well. And so they have this great hydroelectric plant there. And because of it, they actually get to, and they're not connected to National Grid or what used to be NIMO, which was, uh, you know, the Niagara Mohawk, uh, you know, electric company, which is huge. Um, and because of that, they actually just in that region, just in that little tri-town area, they have their electric bills are incredibly inexpensive wow. um, and they get to use, you know, totally hydroelectric power all because just of the nature, kind of the bioregionalism, you know, the bioregion that they live in, they get to take advantage of that. But they're not connected. You know, they're not a part of, you know, national grid or any you know actual like smart grid or anything like that. But you can immediately see the benefits in your wallet as well as, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into environmental stuff, but if you're into environmentalism, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's uh, advantages there as well because you're taking advantage of hydroelectric and things like this. Uh, so really, if you do decentralize a lot of technologies, you know, and maybe based on bioregions or something else, cultures, whatever, uh, I think you you do end up with a ton of advantages that centralization has just killed. I mean, it's such a pity. It really is such a pity. And, you know, speaking of which, real quick, I don't want to get uh, uh, too far into this topic because there's other things we want to discuss. But, um, yeah. It just reminds me of net neutrality um, and how the government pushed net neutrality as a way supposedly to prevent decentralization. But I think, uh, you know, virtually all libertarians and probably a lot of other people who actually study net neutrality understand that it was a Trojan horse attempt to continue, if not further, centralization. Or certainly, Absolutely. Certainly it wasn't meant to reverse it, it, it just in name only. Um, do you... What do you see with that trend? I mean, what? Uh, I mean, net neutrality essentially got passed, right? Or a version of it was more last or less. Year? Yeah. Have you noticed anything cropping up with that as far as uh, appearing in any sort of tech news, uh, even subtly? And uh, I mean, what do you expect to uh, to come from that? Well, I think there's some blatant examples of what's going on uh, as a as a byproduct or maybe as the intention of like passing net neutrality. It didn't do anything to stop ISPs, you know, from gouging and all this. I mean, and there's plenty of evidence to show that like Time Warner actually gets like 90% profit off of every bill that they charge. Um, you, you know, so <laughs> I mean that that just gets into a whole other can of worms, but what you are ending up with is that really the title 2 that they were trying to or that they did pass with net neutrality, there's a couple aspects aspects of Title II that they didn't implement. One of them was, was price controls. And so that means effectively that they can still charge more or less whatever they want, or they could use a fancy term called zero rating, where they, you know, they, they, they kind of use their own service and they make it look like it's a part of what they're doing. So they're not really charging you more, but they, you know, they, they can end up charging you more through it. Uh, any, but the example I want to give is that now you're finding out that you have companies like Comcast and others who are actually, after you use so many gigabytes, and it's in the hundreds granted, but it can change at any time. After so many gigabytes uh, of, of data usage, you know, on, with your 
just your home Wi-Fi, uh, they can start charging you $50 for every extra 10, 10 gig that you do. Now, they're able to do that because the Title II didn't do anything about price controls. Not to say I wanted Title II to do anything. I think net, net neutrality is a sham. But there are definitely things that, that became a lot more acceptable, legal, and allowed, as well as mergers. I think that was a huge part of it. You know, now a lot of ISPs are buying up little ISPs. Uh, all of these things were to create, I think net neutrality was just to create the perception that uh, that these companies were, were getting, you know, throttled back on or something, when in reality they're not, and they're just going, you know, they're going to mess with consumers even more than, than they ever did. Uh, so, yeah, you're starting to, to see it, because they think they can get away with a lot, because the average person thinks, oh, it's net neutrality, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. And then the, the average person kind of looks the other way because they assume that since uh, net neutrality was supposed to do X, Y, and Z, uh, and it got passed, that it will do X, Y, and Z. And exactly. They, they don't even bother to pay attention anymore. And you know, and it should also be noted just real quick that the whole net neutrality thing was in response to government intervention, particularly at the state level, that uh, uh, created certain monopolistic or quasi-monopolistic situations with ISPs and certain problems that people complained about. It wasn't a market phenomenon. And of right. course, a lot of the problems that were cited were only purely hypothetical and had not actually occurred, so that was kind of silly. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's that trade-off where the the big companies get regulated, but they get sort of uh, certain perks on the side, either legally or through uh, you know sort of psychological means over the over the masses. So exactly. Uh, but yeah, interesting interesting response. Um, let's let's move on. Um, there's something uh, that we've kind of focused on lately here at the show. And, uh, well, it's really been kind of a bigger focus in the crypto sphere, Um, basically altcoins. Um, You know, for a long time, you were kind of poo-pooed from talking about altcoins by a lot of people in Bitcoin because Bitcoin was it and altcoins had no place. Well, let's decentralize everything, but we only need one coin. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how it works? That's basically how it works. Okay. Yeah, I used to call them Bitcoin monogamists. They they annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and you know, um, and, and not to say that there weren't some valid uh, points made by those people, uh, but sure. I think a lot of the points that they made uh, weren't necessarily so strong as they thought. And in in recent months, or, or you know, the past year or more, um, there I think there's more reason to look at altcoins. And to to not just take it for granted that Bitcoin will forever be preeminent, although it certainly could be. And anyway, what are your what are your thoughts on that uh, in general? That we might get into some more uh, specifics about your thoughts on particular altcoins. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, with altcoins, well, you know, I, I could take it back to history. I mean, historically, when markets were freer, that is, when they were less regulated by various governments, uh, you had you didn't have less currencies. You had a multi- multitude of currencies. You had th- hundreds, if not thousands, um, of currencies, you know, even just uh, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Uh, I mean, th- there were tons of them. And, and even if it wasn't ter- uh, currencies, there were, there were at least more monetary tools available. Which I think people kind of forget that that blockchain technology can also just be a tool. It doesn't necessarily have to be the currency, uh, even though it's great at that. Um, 
So, yeah, the idea that, that there would just be one Bitcoin or, you know, there'd just be one coin and it'd be Bitcoin and all this. I mean, that just always rubbed me wrong because you have real world examples where, no, when you actually have a free market, you're not going to just have one currency. You're going to have tons of them. And kind of when you get into sort of the example I gave earlier about the, you know, where if you had you have that nice little secret, uh, uh, <laughs> well, not so secret electric company. Right. Um, you know, in that tri that tri town area in upstate New York, uh, you know, that's a response to a certain region that has a specific thing like a waterfall that they could take advantage of. So why would you have like one coin that doesn't take advantage of all the nuance that exists in how we live as human beings? Uh, it, yeah, just it, it never it never flew well with me. I think all coins are, are just a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And the same thing, it, it uh, you know, I'm no expert by any means still at uh, crypto or tech in general, but I've, you know, I've learned a lot over the two and a half years of doing this and, and even before that, since I first found out about Bitcoin. Um, but I was, it always rubbed me the wrong way too. It never seemed quite totally convincing that we couldn't also have altcoins. And, you know, part of that was the idea that certain things could be adapted to Bitcoin. Well, true enough, uh, in, 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 certain points, but not necessarily the case either. And of course, all dependent on what the core devs do. But anyway, we'll talk more. We're coming to break with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech. Stay tuned. See, I like that better. I went ahead and just like talked out the rest of the yeah. Till the break. Yeah. There you go. Well, you can see the clock. It's right there. I know. I look at it. <laughs> I know. Our guests can't see that. So, I know. I'm just Unless saying. Unless he's watching on Facebook, which sometimes I Sometimes it's still hard even with the clock or you yeah. get distracted looking <laughs> yeah, elsewhere. The resolution's <laughs> not that good. Okay. We're, we are running a, a live Facebook uh, or a Facebook live video of this. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, on the crypto shows page, so. All right, yeah, I'm going to have to punch that up. Yeah, oh, the, the last one was uh, <laughs> was actually really surprising. We didn't expect that, but uh, got quite a few views. So. Nice. Yeah, even though it was kind of off topic, but I yeah, guess completely off topic. I guess probably the what's his name, the Dale Brown. Yeah, well, yeah. even Rob a lot Hustle, of his, yeah. probably a lot of his fans are. There were you could tell there were both because they were coming from the east and the west coast. Oh well, there you yeah. go. Nah, east coast, west coast feud. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Brian, how long do you want to stay with us? Oh, I'm, I'm good for the whole show if you want. Oh, so. great, excellent. And then that's no, yeah. that'd be perfect. And then um, obviously we have questions for you, but were there spe specific things you wanted to uh, bring up just in case we uh, don't already have them in our questions list? Oh no, no, I'll just roll with the punches. That's uh, you know absolutely okay, cool. Yes, yeah, yeah, I like to try to work it in also that like you know. With the block, block size debate and everything, that the altcoins could actually take up the slack. Sure, you know, like buy your coffee with Dash or Monero or something, and, and oh stop, yeah, yeah, stop using your Bitcoin for it. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Do you guys have like a long break at the hour, or yeah, yeah, yeah it's like okay. three or four minutes. So you, if you need to run the use the restroom or whatever. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll hold it already that. over. The hour's not over yet. Well, no, we got no, one, more. One, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one more. Looks like you have a big red tumor growing out of your head. Where is that? Just, it's your head. Just from a certain angle. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, bring us back lights. whenever you're ready. Terrible for you. <laughs> Now 
Welcome back, guys, to the Crypto Show here on this lovely September 28th, 2016. We're talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech, S-O-V-R-Y-N-T-E-C-H. Check out Sovereign Tech at Twitter, soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech, and zog.ninja. What's your smoke signal handle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <So> nice. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. So 18th century. <laughs> Two horns, that's about it. <laughs> it stands well, for wisdom, come on. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're uh, talking to Brian about altcoins, and uh, it's really refreshing to know that uh, even from the beginning, his gut told him that surely there's room for altcoins in a free market, both as far as currency is concerned and as far as uh, diversity of technology is concerned, and I couldn't agree with him more. And as time goes on, I think that is just demonstrated more and more because uh, on two ends, one, you've had some pretty impressive uh, altcoins and their related technologies come out, and then uh, two, Bitcoin has had a lot of uh, faltering, uh, especially in the past year, year and a half, and uh, both have contributed to a resurgence of interest uh, in altcoins, and I, I think that only makes sense. And um, uh, you know, as uh, Danny was kind of saying after break, uh, you know, yes, in theory, certain uh, features can be adapted to Bitcoin, uh, although not necessarily every feature. Uh, and then, of course, but even to the extent that that's the case, that still requires real humans doing it. And as we've figured out with the block size debate, uh, where that's just been a, a stalled quagmire for a long time, it's not necessarily a guarantee, a foregone conclusion that because of incentive or market forces or X, Y, and Z, that you know, something will automatically happen. And so I think that's where altcoins can step in and pick up some slack. Um, or what do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, a couple things. One is, is that, you know, one thing I worry about with Bitcoin, uh, I mean, there's some exciting things happening with Bitcoin. Like there's that alternative, um, uh, like main node uh, software getting built. Is that V Bitcoin? Is that, am I thinking of it right? There's been a few through, throughout you know, where, where actually the, the code's been cleaner than, than like even with Bitcoin Core. Uh, I can remember a couple from like a, a few years ago. But anyway, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, as a, I'm a coder myself, I, I develop video games. Uh, so I, you know, one of the things you learn pretty early on when you're coding is you want things to be really, really clean, really, really neat. And the other thing you learn is that complexity is the enemy of security. And I worry that when you start adding on so many things onto one code base, you know, in this case being Bitcoin, um, that eventually, you know, uh, what's I'm trying to think of a great example of a saying, you know, the the more they the more they stuff up, or you know, the more they oh, too many complicate the plumbing, you know, the too more many they stuff chefs up the spoil the broth or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, any any of those quotes like that, right? Uh, so I worry if you keep tossing all the stuff into Bitcoin. Well, you know, when when is Bitcoin going to stop being Bitcoin, and when do you when are you relying, and when does it be it kind of in itself become almost centralized, where everything happens off of that? I like the idea of there being so many, you know, like specific use case 
say coins or blockchains, uh, you really you don't you don't want to over you know you don't want to overburden uh, Bitcoin. And I think you really can do that. I know some people will say, "Oh no, that's not possible." But uh, but I, I disagree. You know, I I, th- I think you want to keep it simple. You you know, that's just that's good engineering. That's good coding. I think that's a really good point. I never even really thought about that. I'm, I'm not a coder myself, but uh, in, in principle, that makes complete sense. And I know coders who have said the same thing, maybe not about Bitcoin specifically, but about uh, software in general that surely must also apply uh, analogously to Bitcoin. So that's a, I think that's a, a hugely important point that's overlooked. And um, I think it's also important to point out that Bitcoin was always touted as the anti-fragile sort of technology that would learn from mistakes. It would become more robust after uh, engaging in, in, in all types of chaos that it, in disorder that it was uh, in, in no exposed to. But it seems to me, especially with the block size debate, that it's actually very fragile in, that, in the sense that it's avoiding any sort of problems and not learning from these things rather but than but it's also not making the mistake like the dow so there there's you know there's there's plus yeah. sides to their slow pace it's true that's a good point you don't want to rush things of course Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think something to keep in mind, like with Bitcoin, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but it, it's just a theory of mine, and I make it very clear that it's just a theory. Um, I think that, I, I really think Bitcoin is growing a lot faster than it was ever meant to or supposed to. Uh, like when you think about, you know, just like the size of the actual blockchain itself, you know, into the multitudes of gigs. Um, I think that, you know, like if Satoshi Nakamoto was was actually Japanese, he would have been used to significantly faster internet than we have in the United States. Um, and so he would have predicted, say, in 09, 010, you know, or 09 or you know, 2010 or whatever, I think he would have predicted that by now everybody would have like 10 gigabit internet. And so you could download gigabits upon, you know, gigabytes upon gigabytes of a blockchain and things like this. Uh, so I do, I do think that, that we're on a trajectory that people really weren't planning for, uh, you know, it, from, from the very beginning. Uh, and that there was expectation that, I think the other thing maybe that Satoshi might have missed is that, you know, the average computer today has, what, 64 gig, 128 gig hard drive space, uh, as to where at the time, you know, back in 2009, or, you know, maybe from 07 to 09, you know, time is getting developed, you know, hard drives, were, we were looking at one terabyte, two terabytes, you know, it looked like the sky was going to be the limit, but instead we're going in the opposite direction. So there's a lot of aspects of what ended up happening with technology that I think when Bitcoin was getting developed, the 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 expectations were the exact opposite. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Very good point. Um, well, and so, you know, speaking of altcoins then, um, are there particular altcoins that you do a lot of research on or that you like? Um, tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you one that I that I really liked and that I was dead wrong on. Uh, so if if people were using my show for show prep, uh, sorry, I failed them once. <laughs> one point. <laughs> uh, but NXT I thought was really interesting. Um, like the amount of things that they were doing just in the client. Like the client was so beautiful, and it's really an area where I wish more people would concentrate on. Is like at the wallet side or the client side. I know there's tons of companies doing that stuff, but you know it's not. It's really not enough because I think a lot of the issues we have we could solve just by looking at the clients themselves, not so much of what to do with the blockchain. Um, so NXT was was really, really slick. In fact, one of the nice things it was going to do, it had like that monetary system feature to where you could build your own coins 
within NXT, which I, I thought was was interesting. It's not the only thing I would have wanted, but but it, you know it is it is an interesting uh, uh, example. And then they had a messaging service. All this I, I thought that one was was slick, but you know then it, it went by the you know went the way of the dodo uh, effectively. Even though I think it acted right because the reason that NXT failed was because there was that big theft of 25 million NXT or whatever ended up being. It was some crazy amount of money. Um, But I do applaud the community at that point to where they said, you know, kind of like the Dow situation, um, the community for NXT said, no, we're not going to roll back history. We're just going to go along with the theft and we'll try and buy it back. Of course, that ended up being its undoing, arguably, but, you know, (laughs) at least they were ethical about it, in my opinion. No, that's a good point. Well, well, then speaking of which, what I mean, it's kind of already implied in what you said, but what is your opinion on the Ethereum and DAO situation and what uh, and their vote the to fork. to fork? Yeah. Well, I know you guys had Anthony Diorio on uh, in recent months uh, talking about it, and I, I thought he, you know, I appreciated that he, you know, was very honest and said this wasn't like a hack. This was following the rules of the Dow and, and all this. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's really my stance on it is that I don't know, unless some new information has come out that, that, that I missed, um, this was done within the rules kind of set up. Uh, so I don't really have, have any, you know, I, I can't take any issue with it. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, my opinion was the same and it continues to be the same. Um, it, it's just, it's not even just about principle. It's that to me, the uh, maintaining that principle of immutability and again, sort of an ethical uh, attitude towards the whole thing is key to the future viability of of a cryptocurrency or technology like that. That isn't to say that the new fork couldn't still survive, but it's kind of like uh, you know, if you ask an economist. Uh, about like uh, contract law or or contracts, you can't really build a, a, a marketplace or a complex economy or a civilization or marketplace without faith in contracts as a basis for it. So when when you start to violate that on any sort of major scale, you're potentially endangering the entire edifice of what you're trying to build. And I think that's the case with uh, Ethereum. Yeah, no, I, 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 under, I totally appreciate a lot of that. I mean, I think that that it's crazy that that people were, you know, I mean, this is nothing, you know, nothing unethical, nothing necessarily illegal. Not that I believe in legality or anything like that. You know, was was really done here, uh, and yeah, I mean, I could get into a whole other, you know, side side tangent about Ethereum uh, itself, but. Uh, you know, I appreciate that there are a lot of people that were very honest and came out and said, look, no, you know, this, you can't go rolling back history, you know, uh, because that, that's, I, I worry about that too. Like there's that company Accenture, uh, Accenture uh, that just recently announced that they're trying to develop blockchains that aren't immutable. And, you know, I hear things like that and it's like, well, then what's the point of the technology? Like, <laughs> why even bother? You know, if you're just going to go break in the chameleon hash, come on. And then change it, change it to Marty McFly coin or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's been a, my worry for with a lot of these things is that when you try to put maybe too much onto them, you know, like titles and and maybe even some degree of contracts and all this, uh, you know, when you start tossing all that on there, uh, a how are you going to enforce this stuff really? And you know, b, um, I mean, is this really? You know, I, I have a saying that just if it was a bad idea off of a blockchain, it doesn't become a good idea once you put it onto one. Um, and so I, I worry some of this stuff just gets tossed onto these blockchains where it's like, yeah, you know, that's really just a middleman. And aren't we all coders and engineers or whatever? Shouldn't we just be getting rid of the middleman anyway? Or isn't that what excites everybody about it is that the middleman gets out of the way? 
Yeah, I got you. Exactly. Uh, people try to use it as like a, a bandage to fix something that was already broke, and it, it, it's not necessarily going to change anything by just slapping it onto a blockchain or whatever. Uh, sure. We, we got 45 seconds left. Uh, just real quick. So where do you where do you see the Ethereum fork going? Do you see it surviving? I no, I don't see classic or traditional whatever. I don't see either Ooh. of them surviving. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, not, you're not the first one to express that opinion, actually, on the show. So, uh, well, interesting. Well, um, we're coming to break. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech the past hour, S-O-V-R-Y-N-T-E-C-H. Well, as it turns out, he's going to stick with us for the second hour. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, so stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back here on the Crypto Show here on Logos Radio Network. We'll see you in just a couple minutes after this bathroom break. Bathroom break? We should have... <laughs> bathroom break? We, we should have like a... the tidy bowl, no, man? No, listen, no. listen, listen. We should have a sound... What? It's that time again. The third annual Anarchapoco 2017, February 23rd through the 26th. And this time, it's bigger and better than ever. There's a reason why we keep going back every year. Because it's a blast. Which is the same reason the speakers keep coming back too. Roger Ver, Jeffrey Tucker, Stephanie Murphy, Tone Vase, Derek J, Julia Turiansky, Adam Kokesh, Larkin Rose, and the list goes on and on. Much more to be announced soon. Don't forget to save some dough by using the coupon code CRYPTO. That's right. Go to anarchapoco.com and go over there to the ticket buying page and use the coupon code CRYPTO. C-R-Y-P-T-O. CRYPTO. Don't worry, folks. If you missed the latest episodes of The Crypto Show, you can always catch the replays on Tuesdays and Fridays on BitcoinTalkRadio.com, as well as the latest news in the Bitcoin space. That's BitcoinTalkRadio.com, or just find them on the TuneIn app. Attention all of you LRN.FM, Bitcoin Talk Radio, or any of the other podcast network listeners out there. Be sure to check out the LTB Network, also known as Let's Talk Bitcoin, for some great and informative shows on cryptocurrencies and disruptive technologies. Check out the original Let's Talk Bitcoin, Epicenter Bitcoin, The Bitcoin Game, Bitcoins and Gravy, and did I mention that you get paid to listen? That's right, a podcast network that not only pays the content creators, but pays the listeners too. Learn more at Let's talkbitcoin.com where the magic word is the phrase that pays that's let's talk bitcoin.com and the magic word is quantum q u a n t u m quantum to pay me in titcoin <laughs> did he for real there is a titty coin. i was like I, all, all i need is two <laughs> all i need is two for that no he, he he said he was mining Bitcoin for a while. I thought that was funny. But they build double D apps on, yeah, on Bitcoin. Double, right. double D. Well, I think it was <laughs> it it was kind of a cancer thing uh, because it was a the other net no the other network that we were on or that we're still on that uh, Bitcoin Talk Radio they were they had commercials running for Titty Coin. Was it like a Susan Komen thing? Yeah, I think like, so. Yeah. Seriously? Oh wow! Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is a lot of those cancer research coins have yeah, skyrocketed. Cure, cure coin, cure, and there's yeah. another one. 
there's two of them, and they've skyrocketed in value. It's a total pump and dump. But uh, wow, uh, Ripple has been kind of jumping up and down a little bit. <laughs> oh no, you're getting into Ripple. I, I did. I already All got lost. I already got out. I, I got in. <laughs> oh, got okay. out really quick. <laughs> At least you could get out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. No, the volume is higher on Ripple than almost anything on the on there on Polonia. I'm still right now. stuck in scenario. <laughs> I'm still stuck. I'm just sinking quicksand uh, in scenario. Oh, did you buy in on AMP? Or I, bought, that what I bought quite a bit of AMP, but I was waiting. Well, I was waiting for the alpha, but then we didn't get an alpha. You, at, uh, that, at a closer there. read, alpha doesn't come out until the end of next year. So, oh shit! The social, uh, the social layer, well, the, the GitHub version of it is already out. The, yeah, the, yeah, but the, the release of where you can create right. a profile and right. actually use it. Well, you could do that on GitHub. Sure. But right. with other people on GitHub. <laughs> yeah, with the other... I took a look at GitHub, members. and I don't even know what the hell it is. Yeah, so I realized, like, it has no functionality for another year and, a, you know, three or four months, so... Well, if it's any consolation, like, I, my theory is, is that actually that's where all of Ethereum's going to jump to. Like, that's the, that's the off-board point. You think so? <laughs> Yeah, like if because I think Ethereum is going to end, you know, going to end, and I think that's really the they're, they're all just going to offload onto a scenario. So you might do good. Well, that and uh, what's the other one? Exp is are there? I mean, doing. they 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 are directly linked to Ethereum. I know that in all their in their white paper and then also in their blog, they constantly talk about Ethereum being the 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 backstop. Is is that because there are a lot of developers involved as well? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it can it can work independently. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a theory. There's definitely a lot of a synergy going on there. No doubt about that. Okay. Well, interesting. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. So we'll see. Who knows? I've been wrong before, so don't listen to me. <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't have listened to Danny when he said buy it. <laughs> Well, I, got, I bought it and I I, I got out at what, around what, what, what? I got I told you when I got I got out of it at like, right at around. 30. I don't know how you did. The, what the volume is so Valero? low on that because like, I had to sit there for about three hours you have and to watch sell, it. Like, 10 I had to time. sit there and watch it go up, bounce up and down. You come a Monero or what? Or? No uh, scenario. Yeah, amp. amp. Oh, what happened to it? Oh, no, it's, nothing. It's it's. Just it's saying, hungry. it didn't. It just didn't get the rise. That the we bump that wanting. you expected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I moved into Factum and it, and it went right up. So how much? <laughs> or what percent? Uh, en- enough to make a little bit off nice. of it. <laughs> Man, I gotta. This guy has all the luck. I gotta start dabbling. All right. Well, I guess uh, looks like we're coming back. So okay. bring us back. Welcome back, guys, to the second hour of the Crypto Show here on Locust Radio Network, brought to you, as always, by CryptoCompare.com with the Crypto Compare News Minute at the top of each hour every Sunday. And Hill Country Home Improvements for all your roofing needs. They do accept Bitcoin. We're talking with... And Hashcoin. And Hashcoin. Hash, <laughs> hash must be delivered personally in a paper bag left behind the, in the back door. Yes. Uh, we are talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech, S-O-V-R-Y-N, T-E-C-H. Uh, Z-O-G.N-I-N-G-A is uh, one of his websites, Sovereign Tech at Twitter. Uh, and we were talking about altcoins 
and uh, in particular Ethereum and the DAO and that whole fiasco. And uh, his uh, general conclusion is that neither would survive. Uh, it's not the first time we've heard that. And in fact, I think uh, a lot of people probably share that sentiment just because it's, uh, you know, the house divided against itself cannot stand kind of thing. And, you know, with the reduced hashing power, reduced security of both, but in particular classic. And then the fact that uh, classic is deprived of a lot of the miners and developers. Uh, and then of course, just the uh, lack of faith in the new Ethereum fork kind of, it kind of looks like, and then just really to the whole smart contract concept is, uh, not necessarily inherently problematic, but probably needs a lot more work before you know we can see some viability there. Well, what other uh, cryptocurrencies do you like or are you interested in? Do you think have a lot of promise? Well, you know, if if I can, I'll talk about one that probably doesn't have any promise, but I think the idea is right. And so, if technology stays in that spiral, it's probably going to come back. Um, but there was Aurora Coin. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Not sure. Yeah, it, that, it was uh, Iceland, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, this was it was a coin. Kind of, it was based off of Litecoin, and they did this airdrop a couple years ago uh, to where it was specifically given to like every you know Icelander a certain amount, or at least everybody that could accept it, uh, because of all you know the the banking fiasco that goes on there, just as it does everywhere else in the world. Just, <laughs> you know, it came to head a little bit more there. Uh, but I thought that was actually a really great idea, like because that that kind of appeals to sort of that regionalism, or you know, to where okay, this this area, you know, this area Iceland has a certain issue, and so we need to solve it right now so let's do an airdrop you know hook everybody up and you know because the system already you know messed with everybody bad enough and uh it, you know it didn't take off i mean but i think in fact i think there was a documentary recently about it too which i was glad that that was out there i think uh, vice did, did a documentary about um about uh, aurora coin but those kinds of ideas i think are really exciting to where you're taking advantage of a region uh like something that that i wish uh, somebody would would work on developing more would be like areas you know, like when you, if you take, I mean, there's been a few groups that have done this and a few different projects that have done this where they would take Bitcoin, say, to Africa, you know, and, and they would go to whatever country, Kenya, all these places, and they're like, oh, here, look, we have this amazing thing, Bitcoin, look, your government can't take it from you, blah, 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 you know, and really for, you know, the people living in Africa, honestly, it's something they've been seeing for, you know, hundreds of years. It's like, oh, you know, here comes the white man to offer me, you know, this technology or something and say it's going to cure all my ails and all this stuff, when really nothing developed is really designed to handle the infrastructure that exists Within Africa, not that Africa's backwater. I mean, they have, you know, they've been doing electronic payments longer than, or you know, mobile phone payments longer than uh, than, than the U.S. has. You know, they had M-Pesa and all of this different stuff. And they um, they they do have something to help with that. I, I mean, you're, are you familiar with uh, BitSim? Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so so those sorts of things coming out, you know, and maybe like looking into how can how can we get a blockchain or a cryptocurrency to work better where it's offline for long amounts of time. You know, things like this, like a lot of these more abstract ideas, I'd love to see get tested out maybe with altcoins. Fine, don't don't junk up the Bitcoin code with it. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but try it out with some of this other stuff and and see what can happen. So, you know, I think things like Aurora Coin, a lot of these more regional ideas are are very very exciting uh, and they don't get enough exploration. 
No, I think that's a good point. And again, that just is another aspect of decentralization, right? Is right. Targeting regions. And back when there was relatively free banking, uh, you would have regional currencies and uh, and banks would focus on uh, particular regions. You actually still have that to this day in this country a little bit. For instance, uh, my girlfriend goes to IBC, International Bank of Commerce, I think it's called. And uh, it's a little different these days, but they basically used to focus only on Texas, and that's in the, the era of of centralization and regulation and stuff. And so, just my point is that already kind of harkens back to a, a freer uh, world in focusing on that. And of course, you know, there, there is a sort of goodwill slash additional level of confidence that people have in a, in a currency that is identified with a region because it's almost sort of a brand that they can I- identify with and relate to on top of being decentralized and hopefully, you know, blockchain backed and, uh, in non fiat. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I mean, a lot of people think, I, I think they like to take Bitcoin and they like to analogize it to say gold. Okay. And again, proof by analogy isn't proof, but you know, when you do that, well, people forget, again, you know, bringing up the history, that gold was not, is not, A, it's not the oldest used currency in the world, and B, not, not that I have any problem with gold, but B, also, it's not the currency used across the largest land masses um, in the world. In fact, the oldest currency and the longest used currency, in fact, up until really just a few years ago, you could still pay your taxes with it in some countries, uh, was the cowrie shell. And that's just like, it's this little shell that looks like a UFO. Uh, you know, you, you can look it up in, uh, you know, DuckDuckGo images or something if you want. Um, but the cowrie shell was used for thousands of years, uh, and it, it meets all, you know, all, all the, you know, all of Carl Menger's, you know, rules for what money should be or, you know, all the, a lot of people had different rules, but it fits all that. Um, and it was used because it fit best for the regions that it was in. Now, there's plenty of gold in some of those areas. You think South Africa, some others. I mean, this was used from China to, you know, to, to the far reaches of, you know, all parts of the planet. Um, there's plenty of gold there, but gold just wasn't as practical as using the cowrie shell. So it kind of just proves the point that one currency really cannot, you know, it, there is no one size fits all, you know, when it comes to this sort of thing. And, and it's all based off of human nature, of course. Um, so, so yeah, I think getting into the regionalism, just, a, you know, again, a huge deal. So all coins, you know, br- bring them all on. Uh, I'm, I've been really excited about Monero uh, recently. I'm glad that that's taking off. Uh, admittedly, I wrote off Monero because that came out in, well, it was originally Bitcoin, right? Um, and that, that came out, it became Monero like in 2014, and then there was that big, ugly Merkle tree attack in, I think it was in September of 2014. Uh, and so honestly, like I wrote it off. I was like, okay, well, whatever. They, they, they got cracked. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Uh, but now, you know, Monero's on a, a bit of a, you know, doing its riser. I know they got a hard fork coming, but for whatever reason, you know, it found some real use case again. And, uh, and, and I think, I mean, something that myself and I know a lot of other people in the Bitcoin space that have been in it for a while, what they've been saying is, is that the one coin that could really supersede Bitcoin in usage is the one that's more anonymous. Uh, and I think Monero was for a, you know a time kind of proving that that that's exactly true. Uh, not that I think it would ever overtake Bitcoin or that anything will, uh, as far as like maybe valuation. But um, but I you know there's a lot of use cases that that people are ignoring. You know that these altcoins can really take advantage of. So what about uh, Zcoin then? That's coming. Oh, up. Zcash. Yeah. 
so Zcash is an interesting thing. I've been watching this actually for years. Uh, I, I actually I kind of pride Sovereign Tech on being on having talked about ZeroCoin for a while. It eventually morphed into Zcash, uh, and it's going to be getting released, I think, in the next month. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'll admit well, I've always been a little Go zero ahead. zero coin. It was released yesterday. Zero coin. Uh, okay. I think they're two. Are they two different ones? Two different Hold projects, on. but they use the zero knowledge proof, right, as the starting. Yeah, point. that's right. We right. Have, okay. Well, e- either but well, either way, both using the zero knowledge proof, both being a, an advancement in uh, anonymity and privacy, uh, is an exciting prospect, like you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so yeah, so Matthew Green back in like 2013, he wrote the zero knowledge proof, you know, paper about all this stuff. And at the time, it was just called ZeroCoin, and they were wanting to. They were working with. I don't know how this all worked as far as you know what dev teams were talking to who, uh, but there was a time where ZeroCoin was supposed to be getting implemented into Bitcoin, and it never happened. I'll admit, I, I'm a little conspiratorial about that. Like, I'm like, why didn't you want this far more anonymous, uh, you, you know, system that you could put into Bitcoin? Why didn't you bake it? It in. Uh, and so I, I worry about that, but I'm glad that they're finally coming to light. ZeroCoin and Zcash is also one of the offspring of that paper. Um, I think that that's fantastic, uh, you know, that they're here because that is that is really, really needed. People forget, you know, that that System D or the, you know, the shadow economy, the black market or really just the free market, you know, that's doing trillions of dollars a year. And so, yeah, we need a currency to, you know, to facilitate all that so people can get medical care in parts of the world that, you know, governments are, are really, you know, messing with them so that they can't or, you know, where, where they can get, uh, I don't know, power generators and all this stuff. I mean, it's really, yeah, that, that kind of currency is needed. Yeah. And, and, and as this uh, sort of race uh, is, is going, uh, who do you see leading that? That, that race. Do you, do you think projects like Monero certainly have a leg up on some of these other uh, projects in the space as far as the anonymity goes? Yeah, I think I think Zcash. I'm I'm very hopeful about that. Um, I think Monero is. You know, again, we're talking about that there could be thousands of currencies, and I fully support that. So one doesn't really have to beat the other. What like, about what uh, about Dash in that respect too? Well, Dash was another one, kind of like Monero, where I watched it early on when it was Darkcoin. And at the time, they had on their website, they had like a bunch of different goals of what Darkcoin was going to be. And in pretty short order, like some of those goals started failing. You know, this is only within a couple months. And so once they saw that same thing with me, I just like, all right, forget it. I'm writing it off, you know, and and, and I didn't pay much attention to it. But now Dash is, you know, very lively. Uh, I mean, you know, once it got rebranded and now it's all very lively. Um, I think all of those can absolutely coexist. Uh, and, you know, people can be all rah-rah Dash and rah-rah Monero, and, you know, till they're blue in the face. And I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, that's the way things should work. But we want we want you to tell us which one will be absolutely successful. (laughs) I think you're missing the point here, Brian. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm gonna make I'll make the guess (laughs) that I think I think well, Bitcoin is always gonna have the highest value in my opinion, Um, and it's not gonna go. It's not. It's just not. Even if something happened like the Dow or something like that, Bitcoin's not gonna go anywhere because you really think so. Yeah, and the reason is is that I think there is a need for Bitcoin. There is no need for Ethereum. Like, there's really no need, you know, and, and I mean, like, there's no, nobody really, like, was asking, was clamoring for that. Like, I can remember, in fact, there's a great book, um, uh, Pirate Utopias, or it was by Peter Ludlow, 
uh, from back in 2001. There was nothing, there was plenty of things in that book that read like Bitcoin and read like some other ideas that we have now. There was nothing remotely like Ethereum being talked about in the cypherpunk community, uh, at least, you know, to my knowledge. Of course, I can't possibly cover the entire cypherpunk community, so maybe someone will find something, you know, and be very pedantic about it. But uh, largely, you know, I, I think Bitcoin, people really do see the need. They're like, wow, this is the first thing I've ever owned that the government didn't, you know, didn't have control over or didn't give me. And that's so beautiful. And I think that because of that, I think it will kind of always live on. Uh, but second runner-up, I'll give that to Zcash. Okay, well, that's, that's a good, uh, good to know as a potential prediction. But like you said, it's hard to say there's so, many, so much good competition. And yeah. unlike what uh, John D. Rockefeller said, competition is not a sin. It's a good thing. <laughs> And we can all benefit from it. And uh, you know, I, I'm curious about on on Zcash. What's the difference kind of between the zero knowledge proof and say like blind signatures from the Chomian? Um, as far as the differences there, yeah. Well, I'm not exactly. Well, save save that answer for the other side of the break. Sorry to interrupt. We'll be got you this time. We'll be right back. Damn! I didn't see the clock. Thank you. Do you see? It's not just because it's right there doesn't mean I'm always 100% glued to it. I was out of the room. I was out of the room. No, you weren't. I just came back. Well, you've been here for like 20 seconds at least. I, I, I went and did a, a McAfee. I had to go do a shot of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, may McAfee. be the reason you missed it. Yeah. McAfee. Yeah, I know. We need excuse he's to in, have him back he's, on. Well, I, uh, I'm actually emailing him. He sent me a drunk email last night. It was, How do you know? <laughs> because I can't read it. Are you serious? Yeah, I want to read it's, it. It's like, what did he say? I, mine not just, it might not be drunk email. No, I'll, I'll read it to you. He's been up like, impaired of some sort. Yeah, he's been up 120 hours on something. It's um, let's see where is it? Here we go. He wrote. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> he wrote corrupt shoe rhyme. Use it's for one. <laughs> Look, maybe it's code. See, you need to decipher it. Oh, maybe you need a key. Oh, maybe. C R C R U P T. You don't have an agreed upon key to use. It. Corrupt. Yeah, it makes no shoe sense. Shoe rhyme. Absolutely. <laughs> Fucking gibberish. He's talking about corrupt sh- uh, Showtime. He's uh, in, in a big deal with Showtime right now. Um, they well, doesn't he have a documentary or something? Someone wrote a documentary about him, and it's uh, a lot of it's f- largely false. And there's a lot of people uh, that are that are in Belize. Showtime, right? And there's a lot of people down in Belize that that are admitting that they were paid to the say. Government. No, uh, they were the paid guy who created things. the documentary paid people to say this. He's uh, like, okay, here's what I want you to say. That 60 Minutes piece on, yeah. on that thing was really terrible. It made him look like a murderer. It was really, I never yeah. saw it. I guess I need to check that out. Huh. You should watch it. It was pretty bad. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, we had him on. Brian, <laughs> and he, holl- he hollered to his wife, hey, give me a spoon! <laughs> and he just like totally played this thing for the whole, and it was like on the one hour thing for the long break. He did yeah, and then right as we came back, I'm just messing with you. I don't do heroin <laughs> anymore. Anymore. <laughs> like, oh my god! Hey, oh Brian, man, that guy's something else. Do you, you want to talk at all about quantum computing? Can we ask you your opinions on? on sure, that? absolutely. 
That sounds yeah, yeah. good. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him a question that I was meaning to ask him when we come back, and then we'll get into that immediately after. Yeah, and you can go ahead and ask that too. No, you actually you should. And okay. but let me. Um, hey, we've got that Bitcoin song on. All right, actually, uh, they're all Bitcoin songs now. Have you noticed? I changed all yeah. the music. Good up. job. Yeah. All right, brings back. <laughs> Welcome back, guys, to the Crypto Show. We're talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech. And uh, just getting his opinion on some altcoins. Uh, pretty good conversation. Uh, it's always good to get uh, more perspective on that. And I think he's right. It's regardless of who wins out or who we think might win out. Uh, we kind of all went out with the competition and, and we, the options that... We didn't really get his opinion on hash. <laughs> well, I think we know his opinion on hash coin, if you ask me. Um, but real quick, this is sort of an, uh, a quick aside. I, I listened to an interview you did with MK Lords. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I couldn't yeah, tell great. when that was. I don't know if it was last year or this year. There was something said in the interview. I mean, I could have checked the date, and I didn't because uh, I, I was driving and listening to it on my phone. Um, but this, I, I was just kind of curious. This was interesting, something you said. Um, um, now, and you even had the, 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 the caveat that you don't uh, think this anymore, and, and you know I agreed with you on that. But it was interesting that you basically made a comment that when it came to Bitcoin, you were surprised how quickly both libertarians and Christians got into Bitcoin. And I thought this was an interesting thing. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, I'm just curious, just, and again, I know this doesn't necessarily reflect your, your current opinion, obviously, but uh, it was kind of an interesting take, and I'm curious uh, for you to explain that. Sure. Um, so I used to be, well, okay, I, I won't spend long on this, but just to give a little bit of historical background. Um, I am ethnically Jewish. Uh, and when I was, when I became a teenager, my parents actually became, they converted to Christianity. Uh, so I ended up becoming a Christian, you know, not by my choice, of course, but, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm an atheist now, but whatever. Uh, so anyway, so, you know, I was really like really deep into Christianity, especially when I got into the, into the army and everything, you know, because in some ways it was part and parcel, uh, not necessarily to blame Christianity for that, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in a lot of, um, you know, in the Bible and, and all of that. And one of the things, you know, in the book of Revelation, uh, I think a lot of people get this very confused. And of course, everybody reinterprets the Bible in whatever the way they want. And that's fine. You know, it's all up to them as long as they don't want to hurt, as long as they don't hurt anybody. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really say there's going to be a one world order. It says there's going to be a one world economy. Like that, that seems to be the more literal interpretation of what the book of Revelation says. And Bitcoin to me, if I were, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but if I were a Christian with Bitcoin, I would have been like, well, here, here it is. You know, this is the one world economy uh, because this is everywhere. Or this can be everywhere. This can even be, you know, in the farthest reaches of the earth and all this. Uh, so that, that was my point was I was shocked how many Christians really latched onto it so quickly because I would have seen it as, you know, kind of the mark of the beast, like QR codes and all this stuff. Um, you know, people get into is the mark of the beast a literal thing and all that. I know there's a bunch of arguments around that, but uh, but I, you know, if I were a Christian, I would not be on board with Bitcoin. That's just my own opinion. And you also had a sort of similar but separate opinion about why uh, you thought it was how quickly libertarians got into Bitcoin. Oh yeah, so with uh, with libertarians, I mean, I'm I'm kind of shocked that they didn't think it was some kind of like. Um, 
you know, sort of a, a like a CIA, I don't know, like created coin or something along those lines. Like I was just, I don't have a whole as much like evidence for that as I do with the Christians. I, I just like I'm kind of, you know, usually libertarians are, and I appreciate this that they're, you know, they're very skittish about, you know, something new kind of coming, getting sold to them and coming their way. And I, I'm shocked they didn't think that this wasn't some kind of like you know government plan to, uh, you know, because something, and, I mean, really and, something that's happened and immediately take to Facebook to say it. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, those are the Facebookarians, and there's more of them than there are libertarians, unfortunately. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, so, but uh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, we're seeing now that there's a lot of companies that are that are cropping up around Bitcoin that aren't about growing Bitcoin. They're about de-anonymizing Bitcoin. Uh, like that, that is their purpose is to track the blockchain better and to track where everything's you know going as, as far as where it goes to clients and all that. Uh, so. You know, it's it's a it's a general thing that I have a concern over with a lot of different blockchains is that especially when they start talking about ID systems, I don't agree with ID systems. I think ID is for cattle, uh, not for human beings. And uh, you know, a lot of this really just feels like stuff that you know where you are being tracked more, and thus you are more able to be taxed. And I would figure libertarians and anarchists would be you know kind of against that sort of thing. But uh, I don't feel that way about Bitcoin now, certainly. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way about Bitcoin either. But I had a kind of similar reaction to you uh, initially with Bitcoin, whereas I did see the benefits with it. You know, I, I've always been a kind of we're a little conspiracy minded on the show, or at least I, sure. I won't speak for anyone else. But um, you know, I know that was some of my initial reactions. Now I think very differently in large part, just because uh, you know, along with that. You set of assumptions. You also need to have centralized control, which is you know mm-hmm. maybe theoretically possible, but not likely. And like you said, things are going towards de-anonymization, or did you say de-anonymization or anonymization? Uh, de- well, in, in the case of Bitcoin, there's a lot of companies trying to de-anonymize it right now. Oh uh, well, then never mind. But well, what what would be the pace that uh, people are trying to anonymize it though? I mean, at the same time, you have people right, on one they- side trying to do it, but then you have like Zcash and, and Dash and all these others trying to de-anonymize. Right, the countervailing yeah. forces. No, absolutely. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting, only because. Uh, like you said, you uh, and again, I, I don't uh, like you. I think I've uh, my conclusion is that uh, it isn't likely to go in this direction, but uh, it it certainly could have given a certain uh, other set of assumptions. And it's it is interesting how uh, two groups that you think would have been less receptive to it for for at least those reasons, although also receptive to it for economic reasons. If you're libertarian, weren't so. I just thought that was a really interesting thing that you briefly got into with MK Lords. But uh, anyway. Well, Sure. Let's um, let's switch gears, uh, Harlan. What were you talking about during the break? I totally f- blanked now. Well, I uh, I thought maybe this would be an opportunity, seeing being that uh, Brian has a sort of historical perspective on computing and um, the direction and the future of computing. Maybe to ask him a little bit about quantum computing, and we find a lot of headlines recently. Uh, with uh, IBM releasing the fact that they have built a five-qubit uh, computer that uh, is uh, on on the road to uh, to uh, cracking all encryption and uh, being a a, a a a generally recognized uh, quantum computer, uh, you have uh, a group out of Australia that has been able to trap light uh, for the first time in history. <laughs> <Creepy>. <laughs> Which is pretty interesting because quantum computing, of course, is a sort of branch of quantum mechanics. Uh, and uh, the idea that uh, this team could actually successfully trap light was a pretty big breakthrough 
in, in quantum mechanics. I'm wondering how, how do you feel, Brian, about uh, quantum, quantum computing, what, where we're at in that field, and what um, does that pose or doesn't pose uh, for uh, cryptography and for cryptocurrencies? Sure. So quantum mechanics itself is getting used really in encryption long before quantum computers are going to be a thing. I mean, they already have, I think it was uh, last month, China was testing out, uh, you know, quantum encrypted communications from a satellite, you know, effectively using lasers. Um, it's not working out the best right now, but the ideas are being tested before there's any quantum computer. Uh, and I mean, you only have, you have very few actual, what, what some would call a quantum computer in the world. You have what's called a D-Wave. I think it's the D-Wave D4. Uh, Google has one, and I think the NSA has the the other, which, I mean, you know, if you're going to give a, a quantum computer to people, of course, you're going to give it to them, right? Sure. I mean, nothing wrong is going to happen there. No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yeah. You know Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Do, yeah. Exactly. They dropped that a few years ago. Good thing, because yeah. otherwise we, we'd really be able to call them liars all the time. Uh, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, with quantum computing, I really think we're we're very far off from that becoming a thing. Honestly, if ever, uh, like I mean, there it's a lot of people. There, there's a lot of work being done on like trying to prove that something actually is a quantum computer. It's kind of the same idea within AI, where people are trying to prove is this actually a general artificial intelligence and stuff like this. Uh, so some people debate that there isn't even a quantum computer computer in reality, um, you know, that these things are just, you know, they're, they're spouting out some fancy numbers and all this. Uh, so I, I'm sort of in the camp that we're at least decades away from it being something that matters. Uh, and it really, you know, the other thing with if a quantum computer became a real thing. Now, a lot of people get concerned about that with Bitcoin because quantum computers can very easily break, uh, you know, public key, private key encryption. Okay, like, I mean, it, you know, it, it's butter to, to a quantum computer, theoretically. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, something else, I mean, there's, there's encryption schemes that can, that can try and best, uh, you know, quantum computing in general. There's what's called lattice encryption, which if you think of it, it's right in the name. It's like a, like a lattice kind of fence to where the quantum computer, you know, like, it, it thinks it's getting through certain aspects of the lattice, but really the lattice is still hiding. Well, let's talk more about this on the other side of the break uh, with Brian right. Sovereign of Sovereign Tech. Stay tuned. That's yeah, a, but this is like bows and arrows and guns. So <laughs> you, you know, forget the bow and arrow, now use a gun. So uh, when, did you not watch the last episode of Game of Thrones? With <laughs> no, I'm the fight saying. scene with so, the archers and well, if this is a problem what's with his cryptography, name? then you would switch to quantum computing for your crypt your cryptography. Well, is, that's what he was saying. That the algorithm is I I believe that's what you're saying, Brian. Right? That that there would an, an a seismic shift in the algorithm of these of these coins would probably need to happen to counteract the yeah exactly. Right. I mean, you'd have to well, get away from public key cryptography, but yeah. Well, and, and, and but just to clarify, like what Danny was saying, is there a quantum computing theoretically way of encryption as well as decryption, like in, in advance in encryption that utilizes quantum mechanics on the on the side of encryption rather than decryption? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and the, and the good thing is, is that stuff's getting developed before the quantum computer's hitting. So, well, I was going to uh, say, it, you know, of course, even if that's the case, it and, uh, we'll talk about this on the air because I think sure. it's a great topic. But um, uh, it still depends on the assumption that, like you said, the one is ahead of the other, or the one keeps track with the other. Right. And then that's you know potentially a debatable assumption, but we'll see. So, do, so do you think? Uh, 
there have been statements by some of these scientific labs that say we're only a decade out. Do you think that is too optimistic? Yeah, way too optimistic. Too optimistic. Yeah, I mean, for example, like uh, Marvin Minsky was saying in in the 50s, or like, well, I should say the 60s, that we'd have AI in five years. And yeah, that that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, these guys are, are very hopeful. Is that the the same, the economist Minsky? No, a uh, different guy. Uh, Mar- Marvin Minsky, he was big at like MIT. He just died last year. Do I? Zog.ninja. Yeah. Oh, that's right, Mar- Yeah, that is. Is that different? Yeah, it's a different guy. Who's the other Minsky that I'm? Harlan, do you know what I'm thinking of? <laughs> Here it is. Hold on. Oh, Hyman Minsky. That's who I'm thinking of. Ah, okay. Hyman. <laughs> Hyman. You know, that was actually. Why do I think of Jerry that was my Lewis? My grandfather's name. Hyman. Really? What a pussy! And, and then he changed it. <laughs> well, he was a, he was an immigrant. He was an immigrant, and people quickly told him what it meant in, in English. And he really? It, oh. And he changed it to Harlan. Oh no! Well, so you're named after your grandfather? I didn't know that. That's kind of oh cool. Oh my god! <laughs> Isn't that funny? Are you a pussy too? <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I was never named that originally, <laughs> but it's origin. I'm glad know. people told him because I'll meet people where he you. He was a marine, man. He stormed the beaches. He was no pussy. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's that. You have to show me her later. All right, uh, bring us. All right, guys, we are talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech, and Harlan brought up actually a really cool question, one that uh, I've brought up with some former guests who uh, had relevant expertise to comment on it, and uh, I continue to have a uh, just a broader sort of sense for potential answers to the question. Well, basically, the, the idea is, is quantum computing theoretically capable of cracking uh, public key, private key encryption, which is what Bitcoin runs on, uh, or other types of encryption? And if so, should we be concerned about it? And is quantum computing uh, near on the horizon? Now, we already had kind of answers to this, but I want to throw some stuff out and hear what Brian has to say. Um, one... I think, uh, especially libertarians should understand, but really people in general, the governments never tell you the level of technology that they have. They, it, any, any technology they announce that they have is probably going to be years, if not decades, behind their actual level of technological advancement. That, that's almost a sort of a priori uh, thing, because no government that's worth its salt would run any other way. Basically, if you were an intelligent group of people and you wanted to op- optimize the way you ran your operation, that's how you would do it. And so that's something to consider. Uh, another thing to consider is the fact that the NSA basically, as far as I have, I haven't done a ton of research, uh, but as far as I can tell, the NSA was responsible for a lot of modern day encryption, basically having developed it and, uh, and throwing it out to the public uh, after a time. Nick Tor. 
like well and that's the thing it, like tor like the internet itself darpanet uh like a lot of the technologies that we take for granted not just for our prosperity but even for our uh privacy and security the government created and so there's always the concern that they maybe have back doors just like it was discovered the nsa had a back door with ssl uh tor is maybe not as strong as we think uh as some recent uh papers have come out um, so basically, I, I'm, I'm wondering, Brian, is it possible that they do, and of course this is really totally speculative because we don't know, but is it possible that they do have more advanced quantum computing and should we be concerned? And let me just add one more thing. Uh, you're probably aware of the NSA memo from tw- uh, last year. It was like an enigma wrapped in a conundrum, whatever that mm-hmm. that quote from like uh, – uh, what's his name, Winston Churchill was, where they basically sort of encouraged people not to upgrade to elliptic curve encryption, I think is what they were basically right. saying. And well, what is your take on that, and, and, and should we be concerned at all, given that move? Well, so, okay, so I, a, lot of what, well, a lot of what you just said is, is very true. I mean, the government, there are provable cases where the government did develop technologies, had them for 20 years, and didn't reveal them until 20 years later, and they only then revealed them because, you know, some, they created something better. For example, like the SR-71, uh, you know, uh, Superjet. That was made in the 60s. You didn't know about it till 1981. Why did you find out about it? Because in 1981, they developed the F-117A stealth fighter. I um, mean, you didn't find out about that until 10 years later. So, yeah. So, I mean, that that certainly happens. Um, and the, o- the only thing is, is that the, the people in government, there's some very bright people, but I think that they're very few. So, even if there's a lot of that technology that they have... Um, I really feel like that that there's not always the best people there to implement it, even if they did have it. So there's there's that point. Um, the idea of, with that NSA memo, that might be them saying, look, don't use encryption that effectively a quantum computer could break through because these things are, are going to be, you know, unleashed on the wild, you know, in the very near future. And we already know what it can do. Um, I mean, you know, I'm open to that interpretation. Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot in those in those various revelations from the NSA, you know, from Snowden, whatever else uh, that that don't seem to make a whole that that don't always make sense. Like it doesn't always jive. And, and you got to wonder when sometimes they might be joking or there's some kind of like uh, like like there's some kind of like inside inside joke that we're all missing out on uh, that they talk about. I mean, this is a I company. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about an organization that would spend thousands upon thousands to, you know, rebuild the the bridge of the USS Enterprise just so that they could feel cool doing their job. I mean, the, oh, so, I heard about that. Wasn't that a uh, wasn't that Colonel? A, uh, uh, it was Gen- it was Alexander, the, the guy who was. Oh, never mind. I'm confusing it. Yeah. Okay. Alexander, that's right. I was thinking of that. Yeah, it's Keith Alexander. Okay. So, but anyway, I mean, that's the thing is that they're not very good with their money, obviously, uh, and they do very dumb things. And, and, and so I'm a little skeptical of some of these memos at times that come out because, you know, when you look, you go into any office and even into government offices and you see what people put on post-it notes, you know, and you wouldn't want to take those things too seriously. I'm reminded of the science fiction novel. Um, where uh, a canticle for Leibowitz, where the, you know it's this dystopian future, and uh, and this one guy, you know, this is holy order, and he's he's trying to like find out what this old script says, and they don't realize it, but it was just an order for bagels, but you know they, they didn't have writing. <laughs> 
Oh, hey, yeah. the canticle yeah. for Leibowitz. I like that. That's so funny. Yeah, but you know they didn't realize what they were holding there. But it was, again, it was just an order for bagels. So sometimes I think some of these documents may not be as you know as serious as as they claim. But how can we know which ones to take serious or not? Yeah, well that's the hard part. We can't. Yeah, and that's where it goes in the realm of speculation. That's where it's difficult. I mean, I kind of agree with you on the sort of incompetence aspect of it, but I think. A, some of that may have its limits too, because one thing I like to point out is when we talk about government competence or incompetence, we're we're talking about, in a sense, very specific things. We're talking about perverse incentives to be lazy, for instance, or to uh, whereas a private corporation that is, is a profit or loss, if they have a department that's failing, they'll contract it and take money away. And government has the opposite; they'll expand it and put money towards it, or um, you know, there's uh, the fact that the government can't, you know, satisfy the the sort of wants of the consumers uh, for you know various you know economic reasons. But if you think about it too, the government has an advantage uh, if you're in the right position, I think, over any sort of market actor as far as efficiency, and that is efficiency with respect to your own ends. And that is, if you can tax. If you can print, print money. money, if you can hide things very easily for national security reasons, if you can, if you have this whole uh, essentially unaccountable uh, branch of like a workforce underneath you, uh, you can get a lot done. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I know to what extent that is the case or or what that can do. And like you said, though, there's a lot of incompetence nonetheless. And there's a lot of yeah. greed or blindness that even if you do have this at your disposal can You can also work in contract with private industry that is very efficient. That's and true, that, too. And that we, we already know is uh, a big part of the intelligence apparatus. And, and, you know, Top Secret America revealed there was... It's one of the largest industries in America is is, uh, is intelligence work. Uh, sure. I mean, you know, so. zero days, most of the zero days, I think that the NSA and other, you know, alphabet soup organizations use, I think they get from private groups of, you know, malicious actors of some kind, you know, hackers. I, I think hackers are heroes. I don't like to call them hackers. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they, you know, they have unlimited money, so they just pay the private industry to, you know, to, to soak it all up. But I agree that, that, uh, that e- that that email from NSA could very well be them bluffing and intimidating as well, trying to intimidate, elicit some intimidation over people who are working on better encryption algorithms and things like that. So, or just to make fun of us or something. Yeah, like yeah. You said. yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And you know, in the end, we just don't know. Uh, absent, you know, a FOIA that we could hopefully get, or God knows what, or hindsight. You know, maybe forty years from now. We'll look back and we'll have one answer one way or another on some of this, but who knows? But it, it's interesting and fun to kind of look into this stuff. Um, we got a little less than two minutes till break. Uh, let's see. I did want to ask you something real quick. What do you think is an effective way of marketing Bitcoin? I know that I know that sounds like a cliche question, even, uh, but I. I have so much trouble. So just real quick, and we may have to get to it the other side. I don't want to talk too much, but I want to really explain what I mean. I, for this show, 
So we, we've had people on the show, musicians who take Bitcoin. We've had you know a couple entrepreneurs who take Bitcoin, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I have so many friends who are entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs who I've tried to explain Bitcoin to. I tell them, look, if you just allow me to send you some info or explain it to you and help you set up a wallet for your business, we will have you on the show, not that we're the biggest show ever, and we can give you free advertising by allowing you to be a guest to talk about your business and how you accept Bitcoin and how maybe you know you've thought about it and you think it's a good thing and I get so few takers or I'll, or I'll get people who are, are starting to save money and they want to save for retirement and I try to tell them well you know diversification is key Bitcoin is one of them let me just try to explain to you Bitcoin and I, I, I try not to do it too technically because I don't even know it that well technically and so we're, we're kind of coming to break so sorry to run that out but I'm really excited to find out on the other side if you just have any effective like in relatively quick ways to market Bitcoin to like friends and family because as long as I've been doing it, as many times as I've done it, I mean, I have failed miserably. Uh, so we'll talk with Brian Sovereign on the other side. Stay tuned. Well, if you wouldn't eat all their food while you're at their house, they probably would <laughs> listen to you. No, I'm just kidding. They can't afford the Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> an empty fridge is an empty Bitcoin wallet. No, I, like, so well, I, I have to run the restaurant know, real quick. Yeah, like the, the other day I went to a, a restaurant and uh, – you know, I ate my tacos, had some tacos and beer, and, and I asked you know, this guy, hey, do you take Bitcoin? He's like, what the hell is that? So I just hand him my shift card and then and let him pay for it. And I'm like, oh, you just took Bitcoin. <laughs> and then they're like, then they want to know. You know, then they're right. interested in finding out. Yeah. Oh, no, although this is not exactly taking Bitcoin, they're actually just taking a visa payment. I realize that. But once they realize that, here's a Bitcoin credit card, and they they just took it. Because when I was walking out, the guy, you know, he says to to another guy that works in the bar, "Hey, look, that guy just gave us our first Bitcoin payment." Hmm. I think everybody's at, at least heard of Bitcoin, so it's a you, you don't run into the same hurdles you, you right. did, you know, yeah. two three years ago. So I think that is definitely an advantage yeah. nowadays. I just find the the credit card to be a great icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, in a business. It's another way yeah, to I'll take t- people's cash. Everybody's mm-hmm. interested in taking people's cash. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so especially the government. They really want to take your cash. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I think the one way not to do it. Did you guys watch that show Startup? Have you watched that? Uh no, I haven't. Okay, yeah, it's on there's an online network called Crackle. I mean it's a really high production value show, but it's all about a cryptocurrency and like in, it takes place in Miami. It's about this cryptocurrency called. Oh, I've Gen- heard about I mean, that. It's like a yeah. It's like a black market kind of thing. Oh, is that the one with, with eCoin? Uh, it's GenCoin. They call it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but there's like a drug that, dealer involved in it. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. I've seen the preview for it. I haven't watched it, but. Okay. Yeah, you don't really have to watch it. I mean, it was good for what it is, but it's kind of you know you've seen one drama, you've seen them all. It didn't really need any technology behind it. But I was just going to say one way not to do it is to not watch, you know, not make crap like that. Yeah. <laughs> not that I have problems with drug deals. I'm just you know whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a. Well, it may have been made by people that aren't exactly in well, favor of a wide adoption, right? It's always yeah, great. exactly. It's always great to go ahead and log your drug deal onto a ledger so everyone can <laughs> see it. Forever. <laughs> yeah, make that immutable, why don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, looks like we're coming back. Bring us back. Oh, was that a... Yeah. 
John Barrett. John Barrett, thank you. Uh, he's pretty good. What was his? It's uh, bitcoinsandgravy.com. Yeah. Check it out. Some really cool Bitcoin music, country style. Good guest we had him on. I actually used that for one of the latest commercials, talking oh, advertising nice. the all the local Bitcoin meetups that are available in town. Awesome. Speaking of which, I, I need to remember to talk about this more. And Arcapulco is coming up in late February. You can get discounted tickets through the crypto show using the... Uh, what, what would you call it again? Coupon code. Coupon code. Thank you. Crypto. C-R-Y-P-T-O. And uh, I forget what the discount is, but it's pretty good. And, uh, well, any discount is better than none. So use it. Ours must be really good because we're ahead of everybody else. Heck yeah. <laughs> and so you know you love the crypto show, so use uh, the crypto coupon code. And Chris will buy you free beer. I, I literally will. I mean, because if it brings you to Anarchobulco, I will totally do it. As long as I don't lose my passport this year... I will totally be fine buying everybody beers. Don't worry. I'll smuggle you back in again. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> True story for those True who don't story. know. True story. I had to smuggle this big dude back into the U.S. <laughs> that was not fun. Uh, yeah. Next time, don't wear a sombrero. That, was, that made it a lot harder. <laughs> my, but my, uh, what do you call those? Your maracas. My maracas, too, was probably yeah. a bad touch. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, lesson learned for next time. Uh, always learn things the hard way. We're talking with Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech, and a uh, pretty cool discussion about quantum computing and uh, some hypothetical stuff about that. Uh, I wanted, oh yeah, so I was asking at the, uh, at the as we were coming to the break, what is a really good way to market Bitcoin? And I will say it, it, that that's sort of a too generic question because I realize even with my friends, like some of them have not heard of it at all. And some of them have heard of it and even have some vague idea of it. And then some people, let's just be honest, have more sophisticated abilities to grasp even just the basics of it without even getting to the technical part, but just the sort of concept. Some people have a harder time than that. But I, I'm just amazed how people I would think would otherwise, I, I think I explain it well. And I tell them it's this uh, you know tech craze that Bitcoin enthusiasts are really big about supporting Bitcoin businesses. So you should hop on or how Bitcoin could be an alternative investment for your, your retirement portfolio to the people who it's relevant to. And it just glazes over what anyway, what tell me, Brian, what what effective stuff do you have to tell me that might work? Well, I'll tell you, I actually love the question, and I don't know why it's not getting asked enough, because it must not be, because it's not happening. Um, and be, so as far as like explaining it to like the person next to you and all that, I mean, I always, I love the, I love using the example of, look, it's PayPal and the dollar wrapped into one, you know, like that, that's, I, I think that's like maybe not the bad. easiest, yeah, that's like the easiest example that you can give to where it's, because you just got to explain to them that it's the money and the money transmitter at the same exact time. That's the hard part, I think, for a lot of people to get. Um, otherwise, you know, the technical stuff, you know, a lot of people are just never going to get. But I think the big problem that, that, I, that I see, and I know this because I've been an advertising exec at times for years, uh, a lot of these Bitcoin companies, they refuse to market on TV or radio, or I mean, some of them do, but, not, but most of them, they won't touch traditional marketing. And I think that's an absolute fail. 
That's right. You mentioned that in the interview with MK Lords. I forgot about that. That's yeah. right. That's a good point, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's almost insulting how much they don't. In fact, recently, and I'm speaking for myself, not the crypto show, uh, Overstock, <laughs> you know, I, I saw their, uh, I saw some of their ads recently, and one of their ads is showing somebody holding uh, like a tablet or, you know, a smartphone or whatever, and they're going on the website, and they go to the point where, you, where they're checking out. Here is a prime opportunity to show Bitcoin. You know, it, just show the B, if anything. You wait, know, wait, they didn't even do that. And they're a company that accepts Bitcoin. They showed Apple Pay. They showed everything you could imagine under the sun. They didn't show Bitcoin at all. And it was this huge screen. It was a beautiful moment to do it, and they didn't. So they could have just shown their literal payment website, web page, which yep. must have had the Bitcoin logo on it. And they right. didn't even do so that. So they had to edit it out, probably. Had to I guess, it. right? <laughs> yeah, or they just made a custom screen. I mean, it, like that, I saw that. I was livid. I was like, are you kidding? This is why, you know, people aren't getting it. This is why people aren't jumping on, you know? <laughs> so, because none of these companies, and, and it's so it's so funny, too, because, like, I've I've been, you know, uh, uh, pitching to, uh, that's with a P, uh, to various, you know, Bitcoin companies for years now. And, you know, most of them have come and gone. Like, I've got a stack of business cards of companies that just don't exist anymore you know they're around for maybe like six months and they acted like they were the big stuff and they're gone so there's a lot of i don't know this whole community really their their bottle openers are still around though because i just opened a beer with mine (laughs) (laughs) i have bottle openers on my keychain from uh what was it co coin voice Uh right (laughs) yeah yeah there you go yeah so you know a lot of this is they just they will not get into traditional marketing and largely i think but that's because these business models aren't actually business models to last i think a lot of these companies are just business models to get acquired you know they they want to be an aqua hire for whatever company uh and so so you've got that problem i mean so it's not even just like being able to explain bitcoin to people but the companies that are supposedly even proud of being bitcoin preferred won't put it forward even when they do buy the tv advertising or the radio advertising it's really bad that that is really good a good point and do you think some of that that oversight is partly because they think that television and radio and print are too 20th century like it's it's too uh old school for bitcoin or do you think it's just mo- even more simple than that or what no well that's the thing is that i you know i know a lot of people have that argument but then you you know we find out this past week that facebook was lying about their metrics that they give advertisers so you know that 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 is a problem too is that a lot of companies are are being sold this bill of goods where they don't all they're seeing is charts they're not actually seeing the code and companies like Facebook and Twitter and others are telling them, oh, yeah, we can really narrow down, you know, your your customer base when no, they can't, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're full of it. And so uh, so I don't really think that. Yeah, I guess my point is, is that traditional marketing is still a thing. I think that I mean, if you look at real metrics that are out there, uh, the still the most consumed uh, uh, medium out there is radio. I mean, you guys are on radio uh, and so people are out there to hear it on these venues. But what I really just think it comes down to is a lot, with a lot of these people, they're cheapskates. You know, they just they do not want to spend the money that it costs to reach potentially millions of people. They just they won't they won't put it out there. Uh, so I think that's that's a huge aspect of it. Uh, not so much that they they believe that that their audience is elsewhere. I mean, how much are you going to grow if you don't go on TV or radio? You you can't. I mean, Facebook really does only have so many users that you're going to be able to reach. Eventually, you got to go elsewhere. 
No, that's true. And, and Facebook and, and radio and stuff, are, even with a smaller audience, it's, it's way more effective. We need something like what Lawnmower was trying to do, where they were going to round up to the nearest dollar and then put it into your savings account. We need something where when people use Bitcoin, it rounds up to the nearest dollar, and then everything goes into an advertising fund for Bitcoin. That's yeah. what I think we need to do. Oh, you, you know, that someone's already doing that, but oh, it's well, not Bitcoin. We need to have them on. Well, we got four minutes left. I want to get to one last topic, sex and science hour. <laughs> and is Stephanie Murphy single? All right, first off, she's my girlfriend. No! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. I don't don't want to talk about this anymore. (laughs) It's been that way for four years. Sorry, man. (laughs) Go on. Uh, Anyway, Uh, but boy, she is amazing, isn't she? Uh, So, yeah, uh, we we do have, yeah, we have a show, Sex and Science Hour, that we do together. You can go to sexandsciencehour.com. We used to be on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, which I know you guys are on, right? Uh, Yeah. And uh, we're not on there so much, but, you know, the technology stuff comes up. I mean, I'm on the show. It can't help but come up. It's, you know, it's kind of what I bleed. Uh, So, you know, it's it's a good time. It's a great show. Oh, is that it? Well, what's it about or what the... Oh, sure, yeah. So, well, it's... It's kind of in the name, sex and science. Uh, we talk about various, like, you know, uh, science stories that come out. Batteries uh, may not be and, included. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, kidding. And then we get into, uh, you know, then we get into the sex. So sometimes, uh, you know, it comes into where it, it turns out that, uh, you know, say your, your favorite sex toy is suddenly tracking you because it's connected via Bluetooth, you know, to your smartphone. So subjects like that will come up. Or, you know, uh, I mean, we even take uh, relationship questions and stuff like this. Uh, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It, you know, really, it just goes across the board. We do try to stay away from politics, though. Uh, not that I have any problem with people talking about politics, but uh, but I think there's plenty of those kind of shows out there. Well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, this is the kind of intersects with politics, but do you ever get into to the admittedly highly controversial subjects of, you know, the potential differences between the sexes and how that affects their choices and stuff like that. I mean, again, very walking on eggshells with a topic like that, but um, does that, that kind of stuff ever come up? I'm just curious. Yeah, we definitely talk gender issues. Um, that, 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 that comes up a lot. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's the topic du jour for a lot of people, you know, we're, uh, I mean, I don't think anything's really changed. It's just now we have a camera on everything. Um, but, uh, you know, people are seeing the camera, what's on the camera now. So they, they have questions and they, you know, when it's worth talking, about uh so that that does come up um but yeah awesome interesting well people check out sex and science hour and where do they find that again yeah just go to sexandsciencehour.com um or if you go to the website you've been given out uh, zog.ninja i post everything i do uh there i post my video games uh that i sell i mean i do all kinds of wild stuff there but sovereign tech you can find everything right there Awesome. And uh, we got about a little over a minute left. I guess take us out with final thoughts and then uh, where else people can find you. Uh, although I've already mentioned it on Twitter and uh, elsewhere. Sure. Yeah. I, just final thoughts. I mean, yeah, everybody, you know, look into all these different coins. You know, Bitcoin is not the only thing. It's a great thing. Um, it'll probably be the leader for a very long time and that's okay. But, uh, you know, g- get creative with a lot of this stuff and, uh, you, you know, try and really keep it decentralized. Don't, don't just sell off to the big companies. Microsoft wants blockchain. Everybody wants blockchains. They don't need them. They can use their stuff and they can fall apart and we can build, you know, our own thing off to the side. I think that's the best. Live on the fringes, you know. Uh, so, yeah, but find me uh, on Twitter at Sovereign Tech uh, or the uh, the website ZOG.Ninja, Zog.Ninja. And uh, I guarantee a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really good tagline. I guarantee you a good time at Sex and Science Hour. Uh, 
All right, well, Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech, thank you so much. A pretty great episode. Uh, we've had a lot of fun, also very eye-opening. We really appreciate it, and we hope you'll come back in the near future. Just name the time. It was an honor to be on, guys. So, great honor to have you. Take care, guys. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.